hello and welcome to the first ever show of the Adeptus Terror podcast, packed in tighter than the London Underground. I'm Matt. And I'm Sam. And this is our first ever show, so I hope you really enjoy it. Um, we've played around with recording, um, learnt how annoying our voices are. Oh, um, <laughs> and And we're just going to go for it. We're going to do our first show, uh, lots of stuff to share with you guys. We're going to introduce ourselves a little bit more and then tell you what the podcast is really about. Um, all things 40k, but you'll find that out in a minute. And then we're just going to go for all the sections and, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Right, so I'm Matt. I'm 27. I'm married. I uh, live in Essex, England, and I'm a youth worker. Uh, I've been in 40k for about five years. Um, I've got a large Space Wolf army, which is going through some changes due to the new codex that dropped. Uh, feels like forever ago, but not that long ago. Um, a growing orc horde of about, I've only got a measly 1,000 points, but I want to get everything painted at the stages. And yeah, so that's growing. Um, and I've got a high fleet of nids, which is just coming into uh, kind of the plans that I've got for it. So that's really cool as well. I've been into podcasts for a little while now. Sam got me into them like six months ago. Um, I've always loved video battle reports online, um, watching YouTube and mini wargaming, um, lots of other people that I can't think of right now, um, and just wanted to be involved in the online community. You know, I've been inspired over those months to increase my hobby, to get more and more into this um, awesome universe that is 40k, and I want to do the same for others, so hopefully through this podcast I can. And that's pretty much me in a nutshell. What about you, Sam? Uh, hello, uh, I'm Sam. Um, I uh, got into podcasting um, quite a few years ago. Really, it progressed on to Warhammer when I started five years ago. Um, it, it seems like it was much, much longer than that. I was, I was probably richer back then as well. Before I, before I started buying so much Warhammer. Yeah, I'm definitely poorer now. <laughs> yeah, I can poor, tell you that. Poor, poor, poorer in money, but richer in spirit, maybe? Uh, yeah, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started off uh, five years ago with uh, The Elder. Um, my friend Simon got me, into, um, got me into them, gave me a codex. Uh, it was very nice enough to sell me some, some little minis. Um, to start off my force and then it just went from there and I remember I used to get paid weekly and used to every Friday run down to the local GW store with my measly pay packet in hand and go and buy a box of Eldar and then over the weekend paint, build and paint them start playing with them um, back when I was really infused and wanting to do the hobby like every single mm. minute of every single day um, and now it, it's uh, I, I've, I've got a, an 8,000 point Blood Angel Force, which is was completed for about five minutes. And then I decided to rip arms off things. Then it worked out that I started stripping other models and repainting. Um, and it's going to be one of those projects that actually never really ends, which pretty much sums, sums up Warhammer as a whole. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's one of, you're going to hear a little bit about that later, but that's one of the things I really dislike about this hobby. It, you just never seem to finish anything. Yeah, I, I've never met someone with a completely finished army they're not going to go back to ever. Mm. Um, but yeah, so now I, I've moved on from Blood Angels. They're still there, still being painted. Um, got bored of painting red and stuff. Uh, so I've moved on to an Imperial Guard Force, a 2K Imperial Guard Force. Um, which we're doing a local painting challenge. And what else? What other, what other armies you do I play? You've got your uh, Grey Knights. I've got my Grey Knights. Yeah, 1,000 points Grey Knights, which I'm doing an escalation, uh, escalation League with Matt. Yeah, with my Orcs. That's why they're only at 1,000 points, because we're really rubbish at pushing forward. It's not so much that. I had my complete army planned out, and then they brought out a new codex. So I've kind of have to go back. And my whole basis was around Crow and Purifiers. And now the fact that Crow doesn't make Purifiers troops really kind of, rubbishes my entire 
thousand points. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. I need to go back through and um, and it, actually, a new codex has kind of been really good because it it's meant that I've been able to go back and read through the fluff and kind of look and kind of fall back in love with the Grey Knights because I, yeah, it was very much love. a yeah, it, it was very much a I'm doing it because I started and not a I'm doing it because I really love the army and now that's changing. Um, that's changed. Sorry. Um, so it just means I'm going to go back and hopefully pick up some more fluff and go get to some more minis and be like a little bit more poorer. Other other armies wise, I also do an inquisitorial Inquisitor <laughs> force. <laughs> yeah, uh, the never ending armies of Sam, uh, an inquisitorial force which is only about 750 points, which will be a a nice 750 points. I can do a detachment of um, to go with another force um, in, in in a game. A lot of those minis aren't actually games workshop. I, I've used Anvil miniatures quite a lot. Um, which they're really good. Pretty much my life consists of podcasts, 40k, and and getting on with it, really. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what made you want to do the podcast? Um, I think it was because I've, I've listened to so many of them in so many episodes, and, and whilst I come away from listening to a podcast and kind of think, I really want to try that. Mm. So one of, one of my big inspirations has been Masters of the Forge, with all of their, their massively fluff-driven um, fluff podcasting which which for me is, is key. Like, I hate it when people are like, but if I can have these Marines with these weapons and these loadout, I can roll seven dice and it's 76% chance I'll score. And it's like, I just don't care. They're plastic miniatures. They're not going to change the world. All they're going to do is they're going to be on a board and you're going to play with them. If you're not having fun and you feel the need to do Math Hammer, um, then perhaps you shouldn't be playing this game oh that's a that's a powerful <laughs> statement in uh, okay. our opening episode <laughs> sorry i've just alienated half the half the listeners um all three of you have now probably left the podcast yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, one that, star reviews let, and all sorts right let's take that back then so if that's how you want to play the game then fair enough like if that's what you like, like we've got friends who love maths and loves doing math hammer and and that is why they love the hobby for me i'm more of a let's have a beer Let's get some KFC. Let's get some pizza. Let's let's just chill out and play a game. Yeah, and that's if why I can we're see, fat, really. Yeah, that's why we're fat. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and if I can see on the other side of the board to me that my friend's not having a good time because I've taken some uber, uber maxed out punch in the face from from million miles away army that he can never touch, then why am I playing? I, I don't want to play yeah. for self gratification. I, I don't feel the need that I must win at everything, um, much to the contrary belief of most people, <laughs> but. I, I just think that perhaps you should be playing with people who also enjoy the same way as you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's cool. I mean, we're getting into lots of other topics that we need to stay away from, otherwise this podcast <laughs> will be very long. Ooh, we'll tank um, really quickly. But yeah, that, that's basically us. We're both from Essex. We both love 40K. We've been in it about the same time. We're not experts. We just want to share our love and hopefully inspire you guys as we've been inspired through, like we said, podcasts and battle reports. Um, yeah we just love this hobby and want to share that with you and I think that's really what this podcast is about we want to share the fun of 40k hopefully inspiring you guys um, giving you new ideas motivating you to do your hobby talking about narrative gaming hobby progress bits of fluff we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff it's really this podcast is about everything 40k and two idiots talking about it so we're probably only, only going to get four listeners and two of those are going to be our girlfriends and the other two are going to be our mums. So um, hello, mum. Uh, hello, Kelly. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. I might get someone to listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Right. Well, that's us. And we've kind of meandered round and rambled for long enough. 
and we're going to move into our first section, which is called the news from Terra. guys this is our first ever segment and this is the news from terror this is an opportunity for us to just share what we've been up to what hobby progress we've done and hopefully that'll inspire and motivate you to do your own hobby progress um yeah that's pretty much it in a nutshell you got anything to add sam uh no no not really um i'm, I'm pretty much gonna be using this this uh, segment to uh hold me accountable to actually continue in the hobby um and basically try and continue painting and gaming really cool yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so we're just going to share a little bit about what we've each been doing for a little while. Um, and, and yeah, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, I've actually purchased quite a lot in the last month or so. Um, and yeah, kind of as writing it down, I think this is going to hold me accountable to not buying as much. Because um, I've actually purchased quite a lot. Like the new Space Wolf Codex came out. So I got that and I got the cards for the Maelstrom of War missions and um, the Psychic cards. And it's a really good pack. I really think it's worth it. But I just bought those as well. A couple of drop pods to go with that army. A couple of cyber wolves. When did you buy two drop pods? I know I was with you when um, you bought one. Yeah, I got one off eBay that was like brand new, like in <laughs> packaging. It, it got it cheaper than they're worth on GW. Like, no, okay. No, I get that. But I need you, have seven. Have you built those? No, they're still in their boxes. Have you built anything you've bought? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I bought a Lictor. I built a Lictor. They're pretty easy to build, but whatever. Um, I built the two cyber walls, um, okay. so they're they're ready to go and get painted. Okay. Um, and other than that, I've just been building my actual list for my space walls. No, okay, no, I get. That, I count it as building. Um, but yeah, I've just been buying a load of stuff. Really, like like I said, a couple of drop pods, a Lictor, Broodlord, and some Gene Stealers for my Where, nids. Where'd you get them from? eBay again. Love eBay, man. Seven Gene Stealers <laughs> and a Broodlord for ten pounds is a deal. Like, come on. <laughs> if they're in your list, then fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's the way I, I hobby in such a way where I will make a list and then buy and build to that list. Um, so whatever I purchase, I tell myself is something that I strategically need. And that makes me feel better. I, I'm not going to comment <laughs> because I'll probably say something quite controversial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've been I've been buying a lot of stuff. Um, like I said, I've, I've built a couple of the Space Wolf bits. Still got those two drop pods in their cellophane, um, but I'll get to them eventually. Uh, probably next month's hobby progress, hopefully, will be those two <laughs> drop pods. Um, I built a Lictor, and I've been painting that Lictor up, actually. Um, we've started in our club a yearly challenge um, where we paint a unit a month, um, and basically at the end of the, at the, end of the year, we're going to raffle off a KR multi-case with foam. Um, just a single one, um, that me and Sam are going to c- provide for the club and and just see what happens and see everyone's painted models. It's definitely an encouragement uh, because we have quite a lot of younger guys in our club. It's definitely an encouragement to uh, for them to paint because they see it as a let's just play, 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 yeah. which is awesome. And that's exactly how I was when I first started. But I think the hobby as a whole is complete with building, painting, playing, the, the whole everything. Yeah, yeah. 
Because if you just say bought a building, you're gonna play with rubbish. Well, okay, you're gonna play with sprue grey um, models, um, and it'll be kind of really flat and two D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, later on, one of our sections is kind of about how to enhance your games and and uh, around that area. So I guess we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, I've been painting a load of stuff. Uh, I've painted a couple of orc trucks, um, which are really fun. One's a uh, converted. Um, uh, Griffin, I think it is. Uh, it basically looks like a Chimera um, with the back cut off, and it used to have a mortar on it. I took that off, put a couple of or- orky bits on it, and now it looks like an orc truck. Do you still have the mortar? Uh, somewhere, probably, yeah. Cool, I might claim that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also in the process of finishing off my looters squad, because uh, looters are just amazing in the orc codex, um, and my war boss. Now, my war boss is something I've been working on for a while before this show. Um, really, it was the concept of whenever I read the fluff and, and black library books and things like that, orc war bosses are supposed to be huge, and the orc war boss models, and especially like Gazgul, I just think are really small for what they are. Um, so, I just wanted something that represented a true orc war boss. So I took a demon prince body, I took a killer can kit, and kind of created a monster of a war boss. Um, he looks really cool. I base coated him now. Started putting a couple of colours on. Uh, haven't got much further than that, but I'm really chuffed with how he's come out. It's probably my best conversion yet, I think. Um, yeah, we've talked about the Lictor. Um, the only other thing I've been painting is I got a shrine of, of the Aquila, um, which is the terrain kit, the cathedral looking one with the eagle head that GW oh, make. This is the hybrid version you got with it. It's the four eagle heads. Yeah, yeah so right, I've got okay. it's basically the eagle head wall, for those that know the kit, um, on four sides. Um, so it's got four doorways. It's a kind of quite a square tower, really, and it's just to sit in the middle of my city, my city terrain. Um, kind of look quite cool and like this holy spot, well, I guess. It it it's, it's it basically provides a uh, a tower that is a complete building and not just a ruin. Because the yeah. amount of times you see boards which are just full of ruins and not complete buildings. Oh my! How my many cities is... are destroyed in the 40, yeah. in the forty forty uh, k universe? Yeah, no one lives anywhere. They all live in hive worlds. Yeah, yeah. yeah funny you mentioned high one um but yeah and that that's kind of all i've been up to hobby wise in purchasing and building and painting um i think i've bought a lot more than i've actually done um and that's never a good thing because that just means more to the pile of stuff to be done um but i guess uh, yeah out of all of that i think the most exciting thing has been making the list for my space walls um the new codex came out i love my space walls i got them Five years ago, when my friend Ryan gave me a codex and 10 models, and similar story to Sam and how he got into the hobby. Um, and and yeah, just fell in love with the fluff, specifically fell in love with Ragnar Blackmane after reading the Space Wolf um, novels and the omnibuses, um, and, and his section in the codex as well. Um, and when the new codex came out, I was overjoyed to see a page that was based on his company. Um, and actually, I went through it, and there's not that much that I haven't got because I've got such a large force now, like over 6,000 points, um, that now I'm just kind of trying to round it off and complete it, because although you never truly complete anything, I kind of want to have a cap on what I'm doing, because I know I can't buy this stuff forever. <laughs> Eventually I need to stop purchasing and actually just play with what I've got. I long for that day, when I don't have to spend any more money on Warhammer. Yeah. I, I just need to stop starting new armies. That's that's my problem, is I've got so... I've got, well, I've got well, I've got eight thousand points blood angels. So yeah. I've got a blood angel force which can easily just be rolled out when they need to defeat some imperial 
scum, hell, whatever. But I just have loads of little side streets, sort of segment people. So yeah. my Inquisition, my yeah, Scions, my Astra Militarum. Mm. Like, I need to just stop. Yeah, I've learned something. I was reflecting on this the other day, actually. Um, the three armies I collect, as I've already mentioned, are Orcs, Nids, and Space Wolves. They're all pretty get-in-your-face-punch stuff. It kind of like just was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit weird that they're all the same fighting style. It made me think maybe I need to do a different fighting style, but those armies need to be finished before I do anything else. See, I suppose with, with mine, they're, they're very much, uh, I don't, I'd hate to say specialist armies, but they all have something different about them. They're not like vanilla marines. They're, they're like, so my Blood Angels, I have all of their vehicles are fast for now. Uh, until they get ruined yeah, by the release. <laughs> so all of the vehicles are fast. And I've got my Inquisition, which all has special rules, like Acolytes and Power Armour. Yeah. Uh, the the Astra Militarum, I'm doing all of the uh, the tank regiments, so they're all going to be vehicles again. And I, I just think you, you find your one style of play, and then you will then find other armies to fit that fight. Yeah, style. that's true. Yeah, that's probably what I've done, just subconsciously, not really thinking about it. It was only the other day that it really hit me. Um, but so, I love them. Like, so, so how, how many of our friends that play uh, Chaos have yeah. done Chaos Demons? That's true, yeah. So it, it, it's definitely a style of play that you're into. Mm. Um, yeah. It's like yeah. I, couldn't think, I couldn't think about going to fantasy now. Like I was looking at the fantasy rule book in, in Italy and, and it was just, I just didn't, uh, it was just well too confusing for me. Yeah, yeah, fantasy looks a bit confusing. I just, I'm not into that dirty square basin. <laughs> just, just. Oh, uh, who's starting the controversial stuff now? Yeah, I'm, well, I don't care. We're a 40k podcast. I'm happily offend fantasy players. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I start with mine then, um, my purchases that I've been doing. Then, yeah, sure. Uh, so, I it was my birthday earlier on this month. Um, so, I, I put together a very nice very convenient GW uh, gift list and uh, it gave me the URL to email it out to all my friends and family. Uh, so I ended up with a battle tank, um, an executioner and a wyvern. Um, this is for your IG? For my Imperial Guard 2K yeah. force. Um, they are they are a 2K tank regiment, like I said earlier. Um, they're based on a Krieg, Death Corps a Krieg idea, but I didn't really want to go and spend 30 quid a, every 10 models for a Krieg army. So a tank, a tank regiment sort of Fits yeah, a little however, bit more. However, as well. pretty Forge World is, there's a it's limit to how very much expensive. how much my wallet can take. Yeah, uh, of of, of uh, spending the money. Um, so I've got I the list will pretty much consist of just two squads of vets uh, in Chimeras, and the rest will be tank tank heavy units. Um, so I I I I've, I uh, also when I was in Italy, I, I bought uh, a Hellhound. It was the only yeah, one that I, had I love Hellhounds. They're um, so scary to play against. Well, I. I I've never really I've played against Liam's I think um, and I sort of ran away from it quite a lot Is it, yeah. they, they've got the torrent haven't they the torrent yeah flamer. yeah a hellhound can have the torrent flamer or the or, chem cannon or you can yeah that's a bane wolf and then there's one that's a melter which I can't remember the name of it devil dog got it yeah it's devil dog guaranteed I just happen to have my codex here oh, look it up I'll look it up and while he's looking that up just to try and prove me wrong um, one thing I forgot to mention is I actually read a black library book um, I've got a pile of 16 unread Black Library books, which uh, kind of shocked me again. Do you have Mechanicum? Because I need to um, read that one. Yeah, yeah, I've got Mechanicum. Um, but yeah, I've got Heresy ones, Space Marine Battle ones, a lot of Space Wolf ones that I haven't got to. The uh, limited edition Arjack Rockfist book, still sitting in its cellophane. Um, and yeah, I just want to kind of start getting back into reading those books. So I read Renegades of the Dark Millennium. Uh, it was the 
um, book they gave out at the last Black Library Live event, a hardback of like nine or ten short stories. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Loads about chaos. It's all, there's an abandoned one in there. There's a couple of Night Lords ones, which I really like the Night Lords. Um, and yeah, just loads of authors. And it was a really enjoyable read. So if you've got that or can get that fairly cheaply, um, I really, really encourage you to do that. But I think I'm going to try and do a book a month so I can always share one thing from Black Library and what I've learned in the fluff. But anyway, is it a devil dog? Well, you have uh, the Hellhound, which is an Inferno cannon. Yeah, you have the, the Devil tarot. Dog, which is the Melter cannon. Yes. Um, and then the Bane Wolf, which is the Chem cannon. I was fully Chem right. Cannon. Um, awesome. So I got the Hellhound. It will it will be a, a Hellhound because it that will ha- it want I wanted to have the the uh, Torrent Flamer. Um, strength six Torrent Flamer. Strength six Torrent Flamer. I think it's AP one as well. Actually, I've put no, the it's AP four. Uh, I want it to be AP one. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but like like whenever I go to. Uh, any other country I, I always try and find the local GW store so I can go in and um, buy something for myself uh, I, I all of the models that I've bought from abroad have always had the the flag of the country I've bought it from painted on them somewhere so I'm I'm, I'm going to be painting the Italian flag on, on the side of the uh, on the on the side very subtly um, yeah that would be really turret. cool so that would be cool to have a nice nice little memory of when I went to Italy um, what else have I done I also bought some uh, army painter um, my ta- my the tanks are going to be sort of like a how do I describe them um, a, a, a magnum esque <laughs> chocolate and vanilla style. Um, it's a desert theme. It's That's a, what okay, I think you're aiming for. Yeah, it's a desert theme, I suppose. Um, it's the bone. The main color is the bleached bone style um, from the army painter spray. From the army painter spray. So it's not yeah. bleached bone, but it's bone. Uh, and then vermin brown um, as a light dust along the bottom. So mm. it would be like a dust like going through bar kind of yeah. dust. Um, so that, that the test models come out pretty well. The I need to paint some detail on it. I need to look at maybe doing some washes because I, I feel I've lost some of the three D um, from the actual the oh, armor okay. itself because uh, there there is some like grates on it and, yeah, and yeah. Um, rivets and stuff. And while I've got the sort of oily looking wash, I, I wanted to sort of dull it down a little bit and make it look a little bit more dirty. Yeah. But what I find whenever I paint white is as soon as you put like a bad black wash on it. It just looked grey. Yeah, it looks and awful. It's awful. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll have to. I'll have. This is the first time I've done a tester model, so I'll have to run it through there and see what happens on there. Yeah. Um, and uh, and oh, I also bought. So I've I've jumped backwards. <laughs> I also bought um a Krieg Commissar to go in oh, to, yeah. to double up as the Pask model. So hopefully he'll be turning up uh, soon, so I can put him into the tank and finish more because that is my. That is the month challenge for me to finish oh, yeah. off that model. It's only like so, a week or so away. I've got a week or so to, to hopefully him turn up, me paint him and then get him in the tank. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that'll go well. Um, painting, uh, like I said, I've done the test model um, for my 2K um, mech force. Uh, I've stripped and base coated 20 TAC Marines um, oh, because yeah. they, they were on my first units I painted for my Blood Angels. So they were very red, dipped and left in about a black wash overnight. And then... <laughs> and then uh, pulled out and suitably darkened yeah. everywhere. Um, and, and I think my painting has come along, without trying to sound like I'm bigging myself up, my painting's come along oh, no, so man. far. Your painting is my so much better than it was. I think, you know, everyone finds you learn, that. You just learn they? tricks. So it's like, oh, the wash looks really cool, but actually, would it really be looking like that on a battlefield? Yeah. Um, so I, I, they've, they've been stripped um, and uh, repainted now. Um, I also finished off my flyer for my, uh, my Inquisition Force. 
Um, oh, Valkyrie. The Valkyrie, that was it. I was trying to remember when I was putting together the show notes. I kept yeah. coming up with Vendetta. That looks really cool. I saw that in the halfway stages. It looked pretty good. Um, I need to finish with the, the... Actually, I need to finish with the flying stand for it. Uh, I found <laughs> that the other day um, yeah. and it's not finished. So that will um, hopefully be finished off by the end of the month. If not, it'll be in my You've next used month. the uh, GW basing kit thing. Yes. Like, so They're GW's... a new product and I've not really seen much of them. Well, th- they've brought out the new one for the city, but they haven't brought out the ones for like the rocks and the desert have been out for quite a while. Um, so I've That's bought, true, yeah. So I've, I've, I've used, because it's such a big base, you get like um, the bases for lictors. lictors 40 mil um, bases. The 40 mil bases, there we go. So the 40 mil base toppers. So I've stuck a few of them on. You, oh, okay. you, you generally have to glue them down using yeah. green stuff. Uh, otherwise uh, they won't stay. Uh, so you then you, you put them on and you mould them in. And you yeah. sort of like, like, a, like if you're trying to fill a crack in a wall. Yeah, you sort yeah, of yeah. blend it in. Uh, and then you put the rest of the stones around. And yeah. it, it does come up quite a nice finish. Um, the only thing I didn't really count on is the fact that there are like Space Marine helmets, there are guns, there are wires. So the base uh, is going to okay. look really, really detailed, but it's going to take me quite a long time. Yeah, to paint it all. Yeah, that's always the problem with doing a detailed base. But I guess yeah. it pays off at the end. Yeah, uh, all of that. Especially on big bases. Because it's such a small force as well, because it's only my 750 point force, um, they're all quite nicely painted. I've used some... Yeah. Um, what they call the scenic bases, secret weapon miniature bases. Yeah, yeah. So, because they are quite nicely based, I, I wanted to make the entire force look like that, so that I could, uh, so it would just overall improve it. Because ba- you see so many armies where they just dip them in green flock, and while mm. that's okay, um, I, I think I'd like to be able to go that next step further and use a few rocks, you paint on some detail yeah. onto the bases. Uh, this is all progression of the hobby, isn't it? You know, you start off and your bases aren't painted, and then next thing is your just dipping them in flock or sand or whatever that is and, and then i think you know eventually you get to a point where you want <coughs> extra detail you want you know a few rocks you want a few helmets or guns or um ruined building bits on it and i think that's if, cool if you're doing say a guard force and you've got 400 guys to base flock away yeah like fully oh, yeah. i'd rather they be I'd, I'd if it was me i'd rather they would be based and and have some form of base then it would be a, oh, I'm leaving them because I want to do rocks, but it's going to take me seven years to finish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So absolutely. So I'm, I'm not knocking flock bases on, on guard, but when you've got, say, uh, I think I did my, uh, another army that I do, not an army, Death Watch. When I did my Death Watch oh, guys, yeah. they first started off with just sand bases and I was like, there's six of them. Yeah. You can I, put I've, the time I've, I've got effort. to put a little yeah. bit more effort in than just sand. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that that will hopefully be finished up next by next month, next podcast. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, and then all that's left really is is games for the month. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Let's move on to games. That'll be cool. So I've played uh, three games. That's pretty good. I thought three. you'd do less. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I do play. I can play. I just choose not to. You tend to win them as well. Yeah. Okay. I actually one, two, three. Yeah, and no, I've won every game that I've played. Maybe I just don't mention the ones I lose. Yeah, maybe. Well, no, I'm the Warmaster. Oh, yeah. So we do, a, a, amongst our group of friends, um, it, the inspiration was taken from the independent characters. Um, they have the psychic hoodie, which yeah. is like a, you you compete for it. So one person yeah. will hold it, and then you will play games against each other, and, and then the hoodie moves. It's still a way of encouraging games, and it was becoming really stale that we, none of our group were having games. Yeah. Um, so we started, I started the Warmaster Challenge. Yeah, yeah. And, and it moved around so much and then it just got stuck on someone for like six months. Because they just kept winning. Because they kept winning, Ben. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then I think 
he lost it to Simon. Then I yeah. paid Simon the next day and stole it. Yeah, he had it I for then, like 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, what was it? So I then stole it. I then lost it the next day after that. So it really did encourage games happening. Yeah, it did. Um, and, it, and I think in that week, maybe something like eight, nine games happened mm. because of the hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now I'm just, the, I'm, I've hold it, held it for the last... Couple of months, oh, now? two, three months. Yeah, the summer be. certainly. The summer, yeah. which has been really good because I haven't been having any Vogan games. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, you've been avoiding them just to keep the hoodie. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so all three of them this time, I've taken the hoodie with me, prepared to lose because they are against some pretty tricky players. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think I did all right in the games. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, so, gone. Do you want sorry, to? Sorry, I was just going to say how many I've, uh, how many I played. How many have you played? <laughs> I'm guessing um, two. Let's see. No, two. What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, one, two, three. I've played four games, so one more than you. Well, I might make, just um, make one up then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you lost it against me. I'm now the Warmaster. Woohoo! <laughs> that's never um, but yeah, happen. I played four games. Um, let's have a look. Um, I play. Yeah, two of those have been Orcs, one has been Nids, and one's been Space Wolves. So yeah, I've been playing all three of my armies as well. So I'm pretty chuffed with that. Um, do you mind if I go into one and then we yeah, kind of go, go you, back you, and you forth do, a little you, bit? You do. Oh yeah, you do your first one and I'll do yeah. my one. Cool. Um, so my first one was in this Vogan campaign that we keep mentioning. Um, our club did a summer campaign um, based on a map of a city and we were fighting over over various parts of the city and they were worth various points. And we had the Imperium and Orcs and a Chaos team and everyone had their own pins and moved themselves around and battles ensued and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I played Liam and I've pretty much played Liam all summer long in this campaign fighting over the same area. Like, he'd knock me back, I'd come in, knock him back, he'd come in, knock me back. And it's just been going like that for six weeks. Um, now, this game was a 1,000 points, because that's all I've got of my orcs ready at the moment, um, versus his guard. Um, so it was quite scary seeing tanks and men at 1,000 points, and he still had, you know, four tanks on the board. It was just brutal. Um, but I just kind of ran at him and tried to be as smart as I can. Um, one of the things I run in my orc list is a battle wagon with four rockets and um, at the moment 10 looters uh, it will be 15 um, and it's just a DACA fortress is what I call it just drives around the guys pop up shoot their D3 shots strength 7 into whatever vehicle they can find what, uh, what are they in sorry? battle wagon so this is his open top yeah it's that's open fine top. I can flame them now so it's okay. yeah oh man yeah, that, <laughs> I learned that rule recently that yeah, when you flame a vehicle, you can D6 hit the guys inside, and that scared me quite a lot. But yeah, I just kept it back out of his range because he um, he didn't really have anything that could penetrate the front armor so, um, at 14. It's quite tough. So I just kept it back so he couldn't get any shots on the side um, and just used the 48-inch range and just shot things. Um, so that did really well. Um, other than that, Orcs just got massacred. Um, and I literally ended up with... The battle wagon's still intact with a couple of hole points gone. The looters inside still gunning stuff down. And one orc boy. That's all I had left at the end of the game. Turn six. <laughs> the kill points of this game were nine to me, including Linebreaker and Warlord. So from that one orc boy. Yeah. Linebreaker <laughs> from one orc boy hiding in a ruin versus eight of Liam. Oh, I no. beat him on Linebreaker. That one orc boy won hate, me the game. I hate those three. And instantly, I took his arm off, and now he's a knob with a power claw because <laughs> he survived the whole thing. He should. He well, keep track of him because then he can become war boss. Yeah, it could do if you ever kill him. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, that was such a good game. Like I never, I don't really like small small point games, but my orcs kind of forced me to play that that's that smaller game, um, and it was one of the most enjoyable games I've played in, in the last year easily, if not ever. To be honest, it was just Liam's such a great guy to play against. Like he's so chilled out. He doesn't mind if he rolls a ton of ones. He doesn't freak out. Doesn't doesn't really stress out. Just I, wants to have fun. I find if you forget to do something, like quite frequently. Uh, I've been trying out the psychic phase, um, and I forget to roll. Yeah. Um. And 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 Liam is one of these people that just be like, roll roll it now then. Yeah. yeah go back I, for I, it. I, yeah. I don't. He he doesn't. Winning is not what he wants to do. He's he's happier just to have the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is awesome. Like it's it's so refreshing to see that. Yeah. It's really nice. It just it makes me less competitive. Um. Yeah. Like I try not to be competitive, and I'm not crazily like, oh, I must win, I must win. But you do get caught up in it. You know, it's such a good game that you do get caught up in it and you really want to see your named characters or the people you put a load of time into do really well. And, and yeah, I've seen Liam just laugh off four of his tanks blow up turn one and he'll just <laughs> laugh about it and you're like, I'd be really dismayed. And it really challenges me to be a better gamer yeah. like, just because of how he is. Um, so yeah, that was my first game and it was awesome. Um, yeah, really good one. So I, play, I, I played um, my friend Simon, uh, I played his orcs, um, I was listening to the um, Masters of the Forge po- uh, oh, podcast okay, yeah. while while sat uh, sat on my lunch at work, um, and uh, they were talking about all of their campaigns they write or all of their games yeah, yeah, they write. They look and really cool. It's such a good podcast to just to be so inspired to go and play games. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like, right, I want to play a game. So I texted around my friends, and Simon was free, so we we organised the game. And I was like, right, I want to do a Planet Strike game. So we, let's use Planet Strike rules, but let's do it so this can happen and this can happen and. Um, and uh, I'll I'll take a macro cannon and only a few guys and no one will be on the board other than like say two or three troops. Oh, this was the game you played at uh, your house when you were after the pot of paint or something. Yeah, so <laughs> it then it then escalated to the idea was the orcs were attacking um, a blood angel uh, mechanicum uh, world, oh, okay. um, which the the orcs were invading because they heard that the ball. Preds were painted red, and and they were they were fast vehicles. They're fast vehicles. So yeah. they needed they needed the the, the red paint in order to <laughs> jump to the next system, um, and if they could defeat the Blood Angels, they could have this paint. Okay. Um, so I tailored my list to be I think I took like maybe a attack squad and a, and a, and um, a scout squad with snipers. Yeah. So very troop light. Um, and I took all three of my bar preds, some um, two of my yeah, vindies. It was where they were building the factory it, it, of tanks. Exactly. Yeah. So there was a lot of tanks, not a lot of men. Um, and uh, they a lot of my vehicles started off the board because um, they were going to be reinforced coming in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I never really read the entire Planet Strike rule. Yeah. Before I agreed to do Planet Strike, so the first turn, Simon deep strikes two 30 boys, thirty man boy squads um, directly in front of my macro cannon. Um, okay, they couldn't really do anything to my macro cannon, but it, it definitely highlighted the fact that Planet Strike, whilst it was really good. Is so outdated. Yeah, there's um, apparently a new one coming, and, and hopefully there is because it, it's such a good game, and and it takes a normal your normal six missions in the book and the Maelstrom and War missions to to a new level. Yeah, um, and it, it, it is. I suppose if you use it as a tool to to create games, then it's fine. Yeah, because you can house rule things and exactly. Yeah, you know, I think the independent characters on their latest episode were oh, talking about. Uh, they they talk about Planet Strike and just that it's really hard for defenders. Yes, like, absolutely. The attackers have such an upper hand. Um, they like they only mention it a little bit, but yeah, it just reminded me of that. So the the game ended up that I won just 
um, because it was meant to be, it was ending on turn six, and as long as either I was in charge or no one was in charge of that red paint, the blood, the orc, uh, the blood angels would win. So as oh, long okay. as the orcs weren't in charge, yeah. the theory was that the blood angels at that on turn six were going to send in mass reinforcements and just wipe, yeah, out wipe the them out. So they had to do it by turn six. Okay. Um, so it ended up that although the macro cannon was completely destroyed, the the orcs yeah, were I remember that in, happening. All my tanks are gone, and all there was was like a librarian. Uh, yeah, or there was, back. was a librarian <laughs> with like two tax squads holding the paint. We still won. Uh, so that was definitely a good mission written by me. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's actually, it, it's, I think it got Simon really inspired because now we've written the second one and we're going to oh, wow. the, sec- the next one. Know that. And it's going to be, um, it, it's going to be uh, on the same world, on the oh, same mechanical cool. world, but it's not going to be red paint. Uh, we've got to find something else that we've got to fight over. <laughs> um, it was thinking about me like a paintbrush or pen or something. Um, <laughs> Something that the orcs wouldn't understand and would want to get. Yeah, they just want it. Want the shiny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was good. It was definitely good, and and it, it it sort of taught me that if you're gonna do, if you're gonna write a game, it's not just as simple as going, let's do this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. It, yeah. It's like a actually, I need to think about how this will really work. Yeah, yeah. Because... Writing scenarios is a really cool, sometimes really complicated thing to do, and I wouldn't advise newbies to try it just yet. I'd guess get used to the rules, get used to the the um, normal missions, then you can adapt those slightly. Um, one yeah. of the things I've really enjoyed watching is the um, narrative campaigns that Mini Wargaming are putting out at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, MiniWargaming.com, for those that don't know. Um, they've got loads of stuff going on at the moment. And yeah, their narrative campaigns are normal missions, but then they just add little rules here and there. And it really changes the game and makes it much more thematic. And like you care about the characters in the campaign because of the tiny rule changes. See, see I'm not a massive a massive massive battle report fan um mainly because I, I i'd like to be playing the game yeah um and and i i have toyed with the idea of bringing out my own bat ropes because i'll be playing the game so it doesn't yeah, yeah, bother yeah. me um but i i watched i think you you got me to watch one of the um mini war gaming ones where they had the massive orc flyer and yeah. they were fighting on <laughs> the actual flyer yeah, yeah, and the you wings. could deep strike but if you came off you then would deep strike on the floor yeah, and you did yeah, die or something. and that was good um and and i've got a I've got to admit, though, the the games they come up with are fantastic, and they are so inventive. Yeah. Um, that with this game, if you're not at a tournament, then why can't you do that? Why can't yeah, you go? You know I'm what? Man. I'm only going to bring five hundred points. You bring two thousand, and I'm going to yeah. defend this world. Do you know what? Actually, um, one of my games is a little bit like that. Go on, you talk um, about it now. So yeah, so my latest game, um, skipping the two that happened before that, um, was an- another game for Vogan. It was the round off. It was the last week. And it was supposed to be me and Liam again fighting over the palace grounds right near the centre of the city. Um, but our, one of the guys that comes to the club, who's 12, Harry, um, turned up. And Sam was already playing Chris and me and Liam were just about to set up. And Harry wouldn't have got a game. And you know the club that we run is for young people. It's part of my job, uh, which is really cool, um, doing youth work. Uh, just started this Warhammer club and... Um, and yeah, and he came and, and I didn't want him to miss out. So what we did is we put Liam's 1,000 points and Harry's 1,000 points with Space Marines. So it's Imperial Guard and Space Marines, Salamanders, um, versus my 1,000 point of Orcs. So it was 2K on 1K. But what we, we d- ended up doing is that I could bring units back once, once they were destroyed. So I had a 2,000 point army but there was only a thousand points on the board at any one time. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, well, it just evened it up a little bit. It did make it a little bit harder for me, but 
I'm okay with that. You know, like I didn't want Harry sitting out and being bored. So chucked him in this game and Liam, like we've already said, is just so laid back. It was fine. Um, and it was really enjoyable, actually. Now, I lost, but I only lost 12-8 on kill points. So, like, well, that's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it isn't bad. The The only thing is, is they, they had to kill every unit. Twice. Twice. And how many yeah. units are in your alt force? Uh, well, in my 1,000 points, I've got a truck boy squad, a 30 boy squad, 10 looters, battle wagon, obviously the truck, um, 10 orcs just at the back with spare points, weird boy. Dakajet and my uh, converted war buggy. So, so in order what's to that? score nine, ten. So, so in, in order to score the nine points, they had to effectively kill eighteen, 18 things, eighteen units. So yeah. though it was close. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like really um, like overpowered to them at all. No, no. Um, and it actually worked out like quite a good mechanic that I'd probably use in a in a narrative way. You know, that half the army's there and more are coming in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, ro- I re-rolled the weird boy's power after he died. So it was like a different weird boy coming in. and Because yeah. I didn't want it just to be the same force twice. Because no, that made no sense. No. Um, and it was really fun. Like, you know, Harry's learnt, learnt the rules really well. Um, he's got a better grasp than, than I ever had when I first started. Um, and he's, he's just starting to get into that, that painting stage. So I don't think there was a grey model on the board like at all. That's good. Like, and Liam's stuff is really getting there. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's, he, um, I think he bought a squad from eBay of guys painted in techo, techno camo style S. Yeah, it was like urban camo, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's really used that and taken it forwards and started painting his own. And thank, uh, on his birthday, um, we bought him some black, Spray yeah. paint because he used to pa- he used to paint the base coat onto his models on everything tanks on everything. flyers everything and it, oh man the, the the quality of his painting got got, on, got so much better just from yeah. spray paints alone yeah yeah just um, for base coating but he's 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 um, getting there but yeah yeah no really cool but oh. yeah I really enjoyed that game uh, sorry to cut you off no, that's fine um, and and when you enjoy your games you don't mind winning or losing no and that no. was the thing like I lost and that meant that the Imperium as well as Sam's game. Um, you know, they won the overall campaign, but I wasn't bummed at all. Like, I just thought it was brilliant. Like, yeah. It was such a fun game. And having units coming back on just meant that I took the lead, but then he was catching me up late game. And, and yeah, it was, it was really cool mechanic that I want to use again, I think. Anyway, that was that game. So the second game that I played was against uh, our friend Neil. Uh, it was a 2K game, I believe, if I remember. Uh, it was Tau versus My Blood Angels Force. Oh, this was a way... Uh, Wayland? Wayland, what's it called? Tabletop Nation. Tabletop Nation, yeah, yeah. 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 So this is Tabletop Nation, um, the Wayland Games store. That is right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Wayland Games store. Um, and um, we we see a lot of the battle, battle reports we do watch um, are by Striking Scorpion, and he films quite a lot there, and the scenery is quite good, and you can really go with um, a force and have a really good thematical yeah, game. Yeah, so it's a great place to go. Um, so I played a game, and and I am utterly terrified of uh, orcs. Uh, not orcs, not never against orcs. Against Neil's Tau. Yeah, Tau um, scary. It's just because last time I played them, I just couldn't get close enough. And every yeah. time I charged something, they'd have like thirty squads shooting at me <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, that supportive so fire. It's, it's nasty. It's, it's just silly, really. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I just turned and was like, you know what? I'm going to take an entire tank regiment and mm. just like two squads of scouts, fulfill the troop choices, leave them at the back, and then just run at them with anything, everything I can. Um, and uh, it, it it worked to a certain extent, but then Neil afterwards, after I won, Terry was like, yeah, so I took a force that I really was just trying out different units. There wasn't yeah. really anything coherent. And I was like, I only just won. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, definitely, it, was, it was a really good game. 
um, I allied in an assassin. Um, oh because yeah, because the, the new assassin, data slate. Yeah, the new data slate dropped, so I allied allied in the assassin, um, which really performed really well. That was the um, Vindicare assassin. Oh that right, was I, I that, was wondering what you were trying to think of. <laughs> that was the Vindicare assassin uh, that I I um, allied in, uh, and that did really well, just to annoy annoyed people really it, i don't think it really did anything of great note um and for 150 points you've got kind of a long way to make up those points if you put it into a game because you've only got yeah think about it, you've got a maximum of seven shots and it's only seven shots you don't get multiple it's one yeah shot. that's true yeah so although it's a, it's a really good unit you snipe one character though and it's game over like yeah you've, no, you've I, easily earned your points yeah no i get that but it, i've still got a roll well, okay it's a weapon skill eight the bs8 yeah. sorry yeah so i I get a roll, then I get a re-roll. Yeah, you're you're pretty much hitting. If you get that, preci- does he have precision shot all the time? Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. So you just like my war without boss. Looking, well, yeah. I think he does. Without looking, I, I wouldn't. So yeah, sure. my war boss. You get that precision shot. Hit him in the head. Don't you roll for the strength or something like that? No. So you roll for the no. You choose which type of ammo you use. Oh, so you okay. Have, um, I don't remember the names. Like getting the, the codex out or the get the data slate out. Um, but one is shield breaker. Which yeah. takes off the um, the invul save. Oh, okay. Or the sh- yeah, the, the wow, save in front. That's cool. Um, you've got one which is wounding on a two plus. Oh. Uh, and then you've got one which is the crazy um, armor pen. Which one. is crazy armor penetration, which is like four. Yeah, D four. D four or something like that. Um, well, it, no, not D four. Four dice. Yeah, four <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, they are good shots, and they they each have their own application for when you need to do them. Um, so they are a good little. I've got 150 points. Might as well ally in, and they can ally in with anyone. Yeah, that's true. That's really cool. Like, I like the idea of um, chaos players being able to ally them in. I think it says that you, they're only Imperium, um, but I mean, again, house rule that a, a turned assassin would be so cool for the chaos to be able to have. Yeah, yeah. Like, why? Why wouldn't that happen? I just don't get it. Well, I, I do- don't get. This is one thing that bugs me about the latest edition there's not much i really like seventh edition but the allies matrix like you can't have guard with demons or guard with chaos anymore screw that yes you can (laughs) and it's just stupid like i would never stop someone bringing an imperial guard army with chaos allies or vice versa because of course like that's where they all come from like you know they corrupt from the inside a cult starts up the guard you know and the governor normally of the planet or whatever get sucked into the taint of the chaos and and then suddenly you've got an Imperial Guard army that are all now worshipping corn or something. Well well I was listening to uh, the overlords on the way home from uh, on the on the flight home and they were saying about how I think it was Johnny and Jason had a game. Uh, yeah. and the uh Vindicare assassin joined up with Tyranid. Yeah, I thought that was weird. And and it, it, the idea was that he led the Tyranid or caused the Tyranid assault. Um and and again, have fun with it. Like I'm not saying to yeah. get to a GT but yeah, well, they wouldn't let you. They no, wouldn't you let you. No, you couldn't. But I'm not saying take it to a GT, but have fun with it. Like, that's yeah. cool. I'd do that. I'd let yeah. you do that. I mean, there's lines. I don't know. Part of me feels really wrong about that. But I guess you could probably twist but it in if, some way. If you looked at the, if you look behind the fluff, they're, they're there to cause the change in the way yeah, the world true. is working. So the way that the 40k universe works. Yeah. Like, okay, they're, all of the uh, assassins are based on Terra um, and all of their... All of their um, don't look at me like that. They are okay. <laughs> uh, I know they've all got different temples. Yeah, on Terra. I thought they were on Terra. Uh, I thought. I think they're all over the place. Okay, but any assass any assassination, it has to be sanctioned by yeah, 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 by, by the the Adeptus Terra. Terra. Um, so they have to be sanctioned by them. So what would it take for someone to go? You know what? Actually, we don't like this Inquisition. This this Inquisitor anymore. 
let's um, send an assassin after him. Yeah, he's I on guess the world so. fighting uh, fighting gene stealers. Go and ta- go and eat yeah. in the tide. And if he's a if he's a master of stealth, I guess the Tyranids might not find him or something. You could exactly. Yeah, okay. There are so many ways you it's could starting to come around to there, it. There are so many ways you could build it in just by using the fluff. Yeah, um, yeah. But that, that's what we like doing, though, isn't it? We're all about yeah. that narrative gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, anyway, where that, were we? that was my that was my two K <laughs> game against Neil. Um, have you got your third game? You got four. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got two more. Um, on the same night um, that Sam was playing Neil, me and my friend Tom, who was back from uni for the summer, um, we were playing on the table next to them. Um, so it was really cool. All four of us went up in Sam's tiny car and just about got all the cases in. Um, we need to plan that better, I think. If we go again, well, you can um, drive then. <laughs> yeah, well, I happily could have done um, if I ever fixed my car. Anyway, different story. Um, but yeah, I played my Nids. Um, no, I didn't. Wrong game. I played my Space Wolves. There you go. It's because my Nid game was against Tom as well. Yeah, yeah. So I played my Space Wolves versus Dark Elder. Um, thousand points because that's all Tom's got. So again, another small game, which I'm not a massive fan of. Um, but I come up with a cool little story behind the battle. Um, so I had, um, in a thousand points, I had a Whirlwind. I had two land raiders, one as a redeemer, um, a wolf priest with ten blood claws, and nine grey hunters with close combat weapons, and a wolf guard battle leader. Right. Now that sounds really awful in a thousand points. Remember, I'm playing Dark Elder, so they've got lances everywhere. Yeah. So armor fourteen suddenly becomes twelve. Yeah. You no, know. Definitely. So I didn't think it was crazy overpowered. And um, the story behind the battle was that. Um, the wolf guard battle leader and the wolf priest were being called to the front lines of this battle, of this main battle, by Ragnar. That was kind of the, the story behind our, us fighting. Right, okay. But they got ambushed by a cabal of um, Dark Elder. And that's the scene of the battle. That's how it, the background of why we're fighting. Um, man, I got destroyed. So, turn one, I remember coming over in between um, turns of my game. And was in your land raider? Yeah. Destroyed? Yeah, yeah. So, so I deployed, he deployed, he stole initiative, and then used his Ravager, which is three Dark Lances, to just immediately blow up my um, Land Raider with the nine Grey Hunters, which I then lost five in the explosion, um, <laughs> and my Wolfguard Battle Leader. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Um, so that was nasty. Um, and that was pretty much all, all that happened that, that turn, really. And then I had my turn and Redeemer came up, flamed some stuff, like did quite good. I think it blew up a Venom. Um, I I stunned the Ravager so it couldn't shoot. It had to snapshot. So that kept my Redeemer alive for another turn. Um, my Grey Hunters went forward and shot into a Venom, blew it up, which was really good. My Whirlwind shot some racks on an objective, killed three out of five of them. So that was really good. So I couldn't complain. At the end of turn one, I thought, okay, yeah, I lost my Land Raider and some Grey Hunters, but I'm doing okay. Um, and then out come the Splinter Cannons and all these poisoned weapons in his couple of Raiders that he had with Splinter Racks and, man, that stuff's nasty. Poison 4 plus weapons, rapid firing with rerolls. It's just nasty. And uh, I think I was left with, like, no Grey Hunters on my Wolfguard Battle Leader. Um, now, to mention, my Wolfguard Battle Leader had a Frost Sword, which is a plus one strength power sword. Um, AP3. AP3, yeah. Um, he also had the Armor of Russ, which is a new relic in the Codex. Um, and it gives you, I think it's like 35 points, 
and he gives you a two plus armor save and a four plus invul. Okay. And man, that guy just tanked so many hits. It was unbelievable. He didn't die the game. Like, I ended up getting my butt whooped. But man, like, he just punched through. He went through 10 Cabalite Warriors, five Witches. Um, what else? No, he didn't go through the Archon. The Wolf Priest killed the Archon. Was he your Warlord? Uh, yeah, he was my warlord as well. Did he survive the entire game? Yeah, he had one wound at the end of turn two. Yeah. And at the end of turn six, he still had that one wound. See, that's He's, good. That is good. But is that not a little bit... How many points is he? Is that not overpowered? Uh, 140 or something. Is that with the extra armor? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, what's the... Sorry, what's the... What was the um, involved save? Four plus. Four plus involved save. So, same as an Iron Halo on a captain. He's okay. basically captain stats. Yeah. Um, two wounds. Yeah. So quite easy to kill him with rapid fire. Yeah. I just man, I I made something like forty one two plus saves in one turn. And Mephiston can't have an involved right. save for two with two hundred seventy five <laughs> points. Shut up about Mephiston. We are not getting onto this conversation. <laughs> oh, I, I, just a little segment. I saw a shop in uh, in Rome which was called Mephiston. Oh, <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. Sorry. Anyway, back to um, the. But yeah, Matt. Like pretty much all I had left at the end of the game was. My Wolfguard battle leader, and I think a Bloodclaw. So like, did well then. And that was it. Yeah, it was really nasty. I knew it wasn't going to be overpowered playing Dark Elder, but I didn't expect it to get just torn a new one. Um, and that was my first game with my Space Wolves, so it wasn't the best start. But, I mean, again, we come up with this story, came up with a list that was kind of fun and different. I don't normally play Land Raiders at all, so that was really cool. Um, to just field them and see what happened. And, and yeah, I, I had fun. And, again, Tom's a really laid-back player. He gets a little bit disheartened if you beat him quite badly, um, as most of us do. Um, but he's really learning his Dark Elder now, and they're getting strong. Well, just in time for a codex. To, yeah. to the codex. So, uh, yeah. At the time of recording, there was a couple of uh, leaks. Of oh, it's, pages it's, from I think it's... What, what's the date? I think it might even be this Saturday is the um, pre-order. Wow. It's either tomorrow or the next week is I'd, pre-order. I'm just waiting for them to do Blood Angels. It'll come, I reckon, February. Really? Yeah. I reckon, oh, okay. Well, different rumours, different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I heard it was going to be a lot earlier than that. I heard yeah. it was going to be before, before your guys. But Yeah, yeah, well, that, uh, yeah. Anyway, we're not going into rumour mill because, <laughs> frankly, we could be here all day. Um, I'm going to just jump into my last game, if yeah, that's of cool, course. before yeah, you yeah, do yeah. your one. Uh, again, it was against Tom. Uh, it was my nids this time. Um, and we just played one, one afternoon when I had time off. Um, and, yeah, 12.50... Um, now, my nid list, um, for those that obviously won't know what that is, um, is basically a bunch of gene stealers, um, which is not that competitive, I'm told, um, because you know they've lost a lot in from the last few editions and things like that. But uh, I've got the data slates that they brought out for the nids around the same time as the codex. So I bring the Manufactorum gene stealers, which is five squads of five, so 25 gene stealers, uh, give them all adrenal glands, and they can infiltrate up to six inches away um, as long as they're in a ruin or a building. Now, a lot of the scenery we have here is ruin and building. Uh, that just tends to be what we have. Um, so I, I guess I'm being a little bit cheeky by taking that advantage. But, um, but yeah, so I infiltrate those five squads um, of five, and it just gives people a lot of problems because there's that many squads close to them. Um, I also have two more larger squads of gene stealers, um, a Lictor that infiltrates, and that's all that's on the board. So at that time, it looks quite quite small, and um, there's lots of mini units. I guess it's a good MSU 
um, which is multi-small units, um, army. So, yeah, deploy it, kind of gives them a bit of a head scratch. But then turn two comes, and my flying hive tyrant, which is my warlord, comes on the board. He has hive commander, so I can outflank one unit. So I outflank a um, Tyrannifex with the Acid Spray, which is a Torrent Strength 6 Flamer, and also give him the um, Electroshock Grubs, which is like a Haywire Strength 5 um, Flamer. So he's got two Flamer templates he can put down, and he outflanks, which is awesome. Um, and I also have a Morlock, which pops up, and everyone knows that the Morlock hits the guys from that where so he comes annoying. up. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. It's not brilliant. Um, it's really annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, so suddenly, at the end of turn two, which this is the theory anyway, I've got three monstrous creatures on the board that are untouched and seven squads of gene stealers and a lictor. Minus casualties, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the idea being behind it all um, is that you might kill five gene stealers, but there's always another five. Um, and this really worked out. So I charged a raider full of um Kabalite warriors with the splinter racks and they annihilated the five of them on overwatch they just annihilated them yeah but then they used their overwatch so in went the other five yeah wrecked raider because gene stealers are disgusting in combat they are so strong in combat but they've got to get there and and this is the only way i can seem to do it um cheating <laughs> by being tacked crafty <laughs> yeah again crafty whatever being a good tactician whatever you want to say sneaky uh, it all fits the nids anyway um but yeah like it's just it's taking something that someone said is rubbish you know like online was just going gene stealers are not worth it they're not worth it they're not worth it and i kind of want to prove people wrong maybe maybe it's not taking the, the giant squads of like 30 gene stealers anymore. yeah maybe that's it yeah, yeah well that's what i'm trying out i mean when i get up to 2k i've got another lictar a death leaper um a hive crone for a flyer and taking out other flyers. Um, what else? Um, a Dimacaron from Forge World, the new massive beastie that they brought out, which is so disgustingly powerful um, for 200 points anyway. Um, and three squads of three Ripper Swarms. Now, Ripper Swarms aren't that great, except now they can hold objectives and you can give them Deep Strike. So you keep them in reserve, Deep Strike them late in the game. Hopefully they don't come in turn two. And just deep strike them in line breaker positions on objectives and just be a nuisance. And then suddenly they've got to decide between five gene stealers or three ripper swarms. Because the three ripper, sw ripper swarms are holding an objective, but five gene stealers will kill them. And it's just to give people so much choice that they don't know what to do and they panic. And, you know, Tom played really well, but he did. He panicked a little bit. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I tabled um, him turn four. Which sounds like I just wiped the floor with him, but I lost out of the thirty-five. I think gene stealers I had on the board, I lost thirty-three in right, those four okay. turns. But it's just that they just overpowered him, and that's fine. Like because it was kill points, so I lucked out a little bit. Um, but yeah, the idea is that the gene stealers just get in, do the damage, and then they can die. And then my monstrous creatures, because now they can hold in seventh edition, just sit on objectives once they come in and do their initial damage and go, come at me. So do you think that, that what you did, not a list tailor, but the type of list you take is one that you know is going to throw people off straight away? Like yeah. a, a, a plain, all-out assaulty list. Like I'm, I'm one to talk. I take tank lists like, all the time. <laughs> like I'm, I'm all over the armour. Yeah, yeah. But 
do you find that the lists you're taking, um, you take them because you know they're going to trip people up, or do you take it for the thematical, the, the, it, it will be really cool. It's going to be like this if, if they were infiltrating a hive world or if they're infiltrating a, um, a, a, a 40k barracks or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I guess a little bit of both. Um, the, I've had, like I said, the love hate relationship with my nids and I just, I don't get into the Turvagon spawning gaunts thing. Like, and I know that's very, that's what most people think of when they think of nids. But when the first thing that comes to my head is Gene Steelers. Yeah. You know, they're so iconic. You know, Space Hulk just coming out again. Um, you know, just reminds us of how iconic Gene Steelers have been in the past and, yeah. and are. And I, I find it kind of sad that they're not frontline units for NIDs anymore, um, at least for most people. And and I like the idea of, of the NIDs being this terror in the dark. You know, you don't really know where they're coming from. So I've got flying, you know, two flying monstrous creatures who are like, oh, they're in the sky and outflanking Tran effects, which, you know, comes clumbering in the side. And it's like, crap, now they're attacking from that side. Yeah. And gene steers are popping out of ruins and buildings and, you know, from everywhere. And it's like, oh, where do I shoot? It feels very thematic and very narrative driven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, well, I mean, I've only played one game, so it'll be interesting to see how they perform, especially on the larger points yeah. once I get the other units. Um to see if they are very competitive. Did he, did he say it was against Tom? Yeah. So he uses Dark Elder? Yeah, yeah, he used Dark Elder. So do you think it would have been different if he used his... Um, his Sally's. Salamanders with um, his, all their flamers? Yeah, all their re-rollable flamers and melters. Possibly, yeah. Um, I mean, again, it's it's pretty untested. It's, it's a theory. Yeah. But I guess the bit that makes me not feel bad about it, if it does do really well, yeah. is I don't mind. Yeah. So if I play them against Marines and just get wiped off the board... I know I'm playing an army that fits the nids. It doesn't yeah. feel like I'm taking the best things out of the codex. No, of course. You're not doing um, like a take all the fast vehicles or take all Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just playing a list that I really love <laughs> to play um, and think is a really cool idea. And yeah, I hope it does win me games. I do want to win games. But at the same time, if I don't, as long as I've had fun and I've enjoyed the list, yeah. then I'm happy. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where that one sits. Right, okay. Um, anyway, your last game, because this section's gone on for quite a while. Yeah, well. Um, so my last game was against uh, our friend Chris. He was playing Demons. It was in, it was for Vogan. Oh, um, yeah. Again, so what happened was I was originally meant to play Ben, but Ben couldn't be there. And um, Chris meant to play Simon, and Simon couldn't be there. Um, we had a rule where you can defend the other person's territory um if they weren't there it was it was yeah. kind of help to help the game the the campaign to move on and yeah keep otherwise going. it just stalled oh, right yeah because people are busy people have jobs that they they have to go and do yeah to buy the crack they play with <laughs> um but yeah so I, I played i played against chris um he did admit admit straight away that the list he taught he took he thought he was gonna be playing a horde orc yeah 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 so a lot of the stuff that he took was, was very assaulty very aimed towards that yeah destroying infantry destroying infantry and where i took my Tank regiment, Blood Angels, with Mephiston and, and a Librarian Dreadnought and minimal troops. Yeah, it wasn't much he could do. No, not really. Um, but it was there was still stuff in there that, regardless of it, it was, it was a kill point mission. So it yeah. was it was Persia Alien, I think that's what it's called, isn't it? Um, don't know. Whatever it was, it was a kill point mission. Um, and he did take large squads of, of um, like dog things and yeah, and the rippers, corn hounds, not, not rippers, sorry, um, pink horrors, that kind of stuff. So it was difficult to do. And where where a lot of his armies were psycho and they were demons, yeah, um, it meant that he could turn, he could he could just create units. Yeah, yeah summon more. Yeah, so yeah. he just summoned more dogs or more more things. And he, and although 
you look at it one way, he was spawning kill points. Yeah, yeah. The other way is he was spawning kill points that that would come and kill, try and kill me. Um, so I, I found that a lot of it was um, it was a difficult game. I think I won something like eight one in the end. Yeah, but it was difficult because like he sent a twenty cultist squad to go against Mephiston. Yeah. So Mephiston. Top it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But luckily they did. Mephiston had a really good role. Mm. Um, I got the Psyker's power off to give him hammer hand. Um, which is strength for nine, toughness nine, because it's yeah. It's oh so, no, iron arm, iron arm. Sorry, not hammer hand. Um, it's an iron arm. So he walked in already, just just killing things. And yeah. he, where he had the, I think it's four base five, six something like that. Something like six attacks. Yeah. So he, he he did that straight away. He killed the unit. He yeah. killed half the unit. Yeah. So it meant that they took a leadership check, and of course yeah, they were failed, never gonna, they were yeah. never going to do it. They fouled. They ran away. Mephiston over over, over what's it called sweeping advance sweeping advance them, and then that's a. 10, 20 man squad gone. Yeah. So, although it's a tar pit, it's quite hard to tar pit um, uh, such a, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say, it, he's a beastie model. For, yeah, 200, oh yeah. for 275 points though, he is a, he is a, he is a, a he kind of matches what he's worth. Yeah. Now I, with the, He will drop in points in the new codex. Guaranteed. Yeah. Now that he can, now that he has access to, like, the first time I played him, I went massively negative because he can't, he couldn't jump. He couldn't move the twelve, so he's, he's walking. Oh, yeah, six. you lost your codex pass. So I lost my codex pass. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't move the, the the twelve inches. I lost my um, blood lance. Blood lance. No, that wasn't from him. Anyway, I lost all my codex powers from him, which which I was so used to using and playing with him with that when I lost him, I was like, "Well, he's rubbish now. No point in playing him." Yeah, we had this conversation for yes, like two hours. I know. And then we <laughs> use. Then now I'm start using biomancy. Biomancy is disgusting on so my fist. I think I took like two. Or it three should from... make you feel dirty though. No, it doesn't. He should have He doesn't have an involved save, so I don't feel dirty for anything he does. <laughs> oh man, we, but there, can there we is get one, off my fist. There is one in, there is one in biomancy that gives him a feel no pain. Yeah. So it means he effectively will have an involved yeah, save. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because <laughs> nothing can pretty much double him out. So. No, he, it makes him an eternal warrior, yeah. who he's meant to be, and a um and have a feel no pain. Yeah. Which is justified. Like, yeah. uh, okay, no, there's no point in getting into this because he he is a large point in model. Um with the other benefits, it outweighs the fact that he won't have an invo save. Yeah. However, he's a chief librarian. Yeah. Just give him an invo save. It is weird. Like, I mean, the rune priest, something I've noticed in the new Space World Codex, can have a six plus invo save on their runic armor, which is the first time they've ever been able to have an invo save. Mm. Um, so that's really exciting. I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to see Mephiston get Feel No Pain because I think it meet, meets the fluff. Um, and then it pretty much works like an invo anyway. Um, I think that would be that would cause less nerd rage than giving him an invo because yeah. he, he can just punch through so much stuff. No pain. Yeah. Um, and that would be fine. Like if I feel no pain and it was on a five plus, then fair enough. Yeah. Because he, he, uh, he's already been to the black rage and all of the, yeah. all of the, um, buffs are still with him. That's why he's so tough. Exactly. So, well, okay, let's move away from him anyway. Yeah. So I ran him with a librarian dreadnought, um, for basically protection. So the librarian yeah. dreadnought stood in front of him and a fist on walked behind him. Um, <laughs> and although the librarian general didn't, the librarian general didn't do a lot. He did still take out a um, what the big tarantula type thing. Soul grinder. Soul grinder. He did take out a soul grinder, yeah. and then Mephiston charged in and punched the punched, it, punched the yeah no no no. So this was after. Oh right. So Mephiston okay. then. So the so the librarian general shot the soul grinder. Yeah. I think he took like a wound off or or, oh, okay. or, or a, a whole point because he's a vehicle yeah. or something like that. Um, and then Mephiston ran in and luckily Punch. had iron arm and just punched through him yeah um so it was good positive cool 
Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was a good game. I think if Chris didn't take a list that was going against the Kill Hordes, mm. then he probably would have done a, he, he would have done better. Yeah. However, the list he took was by no means easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just it, it lacked the tank popping abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's yeah. always the case. But, but then those do- those dog things, whatever they are, hell hounds, hounds of corn, is that what they are? Something like that. Anyway, whatever they are, they can still wreck rear armor. They're yeah, strength yeah, six, yeah. so oh yeah, easily they can still they just glance it to death. So yeah, they gotta get there. So that's the thing; it's the getting there. So perhaps this wasn't yeah. tailored so much towards horde, but it could do both. But it lacked yeah, yeah, the yeah, armor popping yeah. ability. Yeah. I, I, I think, feel. I think the thing with tailoring lists is that if you're coming to something where you know you might be pretty sure on who you're playing, but stuff can change. Yeah, yeah. and like I don't particularly list tailor. Like I'll my nid list, for example, like we've just been talking about. Yeah, will play the same pretty much list against anyone yeah. because it's built, I believe, in a way that it can handle anything. Now the tactics might change, but the units and their capabilities will be able to pop vehicles, will be able to kill infantry, all of that stuff. Yeah, and and that's the way I try and play, and that, that's not the only way of playing. That's not the best philosophy, but that's just my one. I like bringing all rounder lists. So you know, we could come to the club, play two games. You know, we're getting quick enough now that we can just play a couple of games in the four hours that we have. Um, and, you know, I might play Space Marines and then Orcs. Yeah. So, and and actually, although we have quite a lot of stuff, um, to Lugging be able to bring one list... KR cases is yeah. not doing it. Yeah. But, um, you know, just to be able to go, right, there's my army, and, oh, okay, I'm playing Space Marines. There's my army. I quite like that. I'm almost proud of the fact that I can bring the same list and do well in both games yeah that's yeah. that's the way I like to play um, but yeah cool so that's our game's done yeah that's we everything done? so that's just moving cool. on so that was the news from Terra um, sorry it was long so long um, it is our first one so we had all the stuff from the summer that we were doing as well um, from this point they'll be literally a month long and hopefully we'll still have some stuff to say yeah um, so yeah we're gonna give you guys a break from our voices and come back with the next segment back again uh, this is our second ever segment um, so again still exciting for us um, it's the pain and joy of 40k uh, now this section is us talking about something that we may be struggling with in the hobby um, it would be we'd be lying basically if we said that everything's great all the time um, there's always something in the hobby that we might struggle with whether it's others whether it's our ourselves whether it's a codex rule or a certain rule that we find is overpowered or a bit annoying or whatever um, and yeah we're going to share that as well as the things we're really enjoying at the moment as well um, because there's always a certain aspect that we're really into that month you know it might be that we've loved converting a model it might be that we love something special um, that's in the rules um, so like for example my joy is about unbound armies um, and the narrative possibilities that are there um, Sam why don't you start off well, I'll do my, my pain to start with, always end on a high. Without trying to be too, I don't know. See, this is difficult. My 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 pains are going to be quite, not political, but they might offend a few people. Yeah. 
I'm here to round that off though. It's fine. Right. Okay. I'm the caring one. You're the abusive one. <laughs> My pain today is um, keyboard warriors. I think is the best term. It's the it's the as Matt mentioned earlier. It's the people who go who poo poo things and rubbish things before they actually would play them. Yeah. So it's so an, a great example of this is when I think it was the Space Marine Codex release. Yeah. When when somebody got a codex earlier and was just basically transcribing bits and putting them onto a forum. Yeah, yeah. And people were already saying this is rubbish, Space Marines aren't worth taking anymore. Yeah. And and it's like you haven't seen the codex. So how can you viably say that that army is not going to perform well because somebody has posted something that may or may not be true? Yeah, that's the other thing as to, well. To, yeah. the, to, to, to the page. Or when rumours come out and um, when people massively jump on the, the bandwagon to, to say how rubbish it is. Yeah. It's a rumour. It seems really um, popular at the moment on the internet to abuse Games Workshop. Now, there's, there's a lot about Games Workshop that we might not agree with, but they produce some amazing models that actually, when you put them up against other games, aren't crazy priced. They are expensive, and this hobby is expensive. They're not crazy priced in the market, um, and their phenomenal detail in them are f- just well, exactly that phenomenal. And their rule set, yeah, okay, some of them are a little bit ambiguous, and you have to work out. And codexes change, but in some ways, that's really cool. It keeps it fresh and different. Exactly. Um, and uh, maybe it's just because people don't like change. Maybe that's what it is. They had their one way of playing that codex that auto-take list, and now yeah. they can't, so they're going to just say it's awful. We can all be keyboard warriors, whether it's about 40k or something else. Like We yeah. all have passions that sometimes get over the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I can understand why it is a pain. I just think my, my the, the pain as a whole is the fact when people are quick to judge or to go by hearsay and and to start bashing on something, especially on Studio Abbey, start bashing on something um, when they don't know a lot about it or don't know everything that they should know before like fair enough form an opinion yeah. but get all of the get all of the uh the viewpoints before you do that but what's uh what's your your pain uh my pain is having stuff so unfinished i can completely attest to that yeah most of my armies aren't finished yeah yeah <laughs> um well i mean for me like i've been thinking about getting into 30k no uh it looks so good. No. The rule set's really fun. Do you know what? I will buy I will buy Sanguinius when, when yeah. it comes out. Just yeah. for the model aspect of it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the Space Wars because I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy the book with Prospero and the Lima Russ model. Like, they're just so cool. How could yeah. you not? Yeah, yeah. And then I can play with my Space Wolf models that I already have. That's fine. Just um, don't go and buy a 30k army. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> But um, I'll buy a Krieg army before I buy a uh, a, a Blood Angel. Okay, cool. Force. <laughs> yeah, but there's something about about it that really inspires me. Like I really like the story. I've read a few of the Heresy books. Like my friend Tim and me speak about that quite a lot because he's really into the Heresy. Um, and and yeah, I'm kind of pumped up for that. But I don't want to go into that because it's so expensive from Forge World, and uh, it's a whole new rule set in the sense of gaming and different, you know, new weapons like Foxfex grenades or however you say that word, um, and rad grenades and Phosphorus. all this kind of... Yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> Foxfex. I don't know what it is. Phosphorus. But, yeah, all right, chill out. <laughs> that's completely thrown me off now. Thank you for that. So I don't really want to go into 30k without finishing my 40k projects. You know, I want to get my nids to the 2k that I've decided to go to and, and round them off, you yeah. know? Um, and then they'll be at a place where when a new codex drops in yeah. a month, probably, <laughs> the GW release schedule, I'll be able to repoint up, 
balance the list a little bit, add yeah. whatever else because points go down naturally. Yeah. Um, and then they're done. So, you know, it's just tweaking after that. I, Same with my orcs. I want to get them to the 2K that we said we're going to get to. Um, your Grey Knights and my orcs and uh, and we'll we'll stop and they'll be done. My Space Wolves, you know, I've got the company um, like lined up and pointed out and I know what I need to get. Once I've got that, my Space Wolves are done until a new codex drops and yeah, 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 yeah. And then, in that sense, they're never finished, but they're finished for a while. I think that's quite important to to. If you don't have an endpoint, you've then become, and again, not knocking this, but you then become one of those people who just just keeps buying, just keeps yeah. buying, and has and and fair play to them. Some people, when I've seen guard armies posted on on Facebook, yeah, um, and they've got fifty tanks and a thousand to two thousand men, and great if that's how you wanted to continue, that's fine. But I like to think, well, I know, I in that in that case, I've got 8,000 points of Blood Angels. In that case, I've got 2,000 points of Guard. Yeah. In that case, I've got 2,000 points of Grey Knights. Eventually, I'm going to have to do a Xenos Army. At some point, purchasing 40k and 30k, if it ever happens, will have to slow down, if not stop, for a while. So I want to have completed projects where I can say they're all painted, they're all built, they're all playable, and I'm really happy with how they are. Done. And then, you, yeah, sure, or, I'll keep on top of the rule sets, and I'll keep on top of codexes. Yeah. And just like I said, just top them up, top them up, and that's where I'm trying to get to. And that's this this podcast is really going to help with that because yeah. of the monthly progress stuff that we've already talked about. But yeah, that that's my pain really, just the fact that I've I've built up these these this large point of space walls and it still feels really unfinished. Um, my nids are growing, and I'm doing it the right way now. It feels you know buying a unit, painting it, yeah, um, and kind of catching up on myself. And I just can't wait for the day where I can go, Joe, you know what? They're finished and I can just enjoy playing them for a while. Yeah. Until I need to buy something new because a new codex has come out. Absolutely. So my joy um, is the more fluff driven games and less competitive in 7th. I found that 7th, although a lot of people knocked the fact they brought out a new release so quickly, a new, new edition, sorry. 7th yeah. um, has enabled, for me personally, has enabled me to play more fluff driven games. Um, the I, I'm I'm finding although some of the rules I don't like a lot of the majority of the rules are make sense for what's happening. One that I really like is the um just you're in terrain so you get the cover save, whereas yeah. before it was like oh can I see twenty five percent of your model? Oh absolutely. Like that you know you cannot model a ruined building to have the amount of rubble and girders and all that stuff. Just look at the GW you, kits. Yeah. Like I've got there's a box over there and and it shows the right angle of a building with the platforms along the back so if you're standing behind in six you're not behind the building yeah no but i'm in the building no but you're not behind the building yeah or, there's or, there's not a little wall how am i gonna side, put, yeah. how am i gonna put my models in the building or well, it doesn't matter you're not behind the building yeah it's awful and that kind of stuff it, it's the i think gw has taken a little well in my opinion it's probably the best thing to yeah. say gw have taken more of a don't be stupid kind of approach yeah it, it feels do you know what it feels like it feels like GW are going, really, guys? Do we really need to tell you not to do this? Exactly. Fine, do it this way. And it does feel that way, and that's a bit of a shame in some yeah. ways. Um, but I guess when you've got a game where, you know, any game people want to win, yeah. and they will use rules for their advantage, and, yeah. you know, having this type of rule set in seventh basically means that there's less advantage being played yeah. because it's, I'm in a building. So I get, or I'm in a ruin, I get a four plus cover. It's stuff like the Master of the Forge podcast who have massively helped. And and I think one of the first episodes said, every game you have should be a fluff game. 
and should have a backstory. Yeah, well, I think I think also their their little saying. I mean, Master of the Forge are really cool. Um, I mean, I've been following a couple of them since they did Deep Strike Radio. For all right. those that know that podcast, uh, which was really kind of the first real big podcast, even before Overlords and and the ICs. Um, you know, and they're they're awesome, and they they say play the game your way. You know. And I like that because actually they're saying if you are competitive, that's great. Find people who are competitive. If you're a fluff-driven gamer, find people who are fluff-driven. And and I like that. And also, they kind of, for me, it feels like they say, do you know what, if you're playing someone a bit more competitive, that's okay. Design the game in a certain way that it levels yeah. the playing field. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you're playing someone who's a bit more fluff-driven because you are a competitive gamer, which is fine, um, then just chill out a little bit and enjoy the story like this hobby doesn't need to be so black and white as people make it of course which goes back to your keyboard warrior thing i think the internet has really caused a lot of these problems yeah so what's your joy Uh, my joy is unbound armies i mentioned it a little bit at the start of this section um unbound armies is something that came out and again the internet went crazy about and said oh it's so broken you can bring 20 riptides or whatever um and you know I remember listening, I think it was the ICs, um, Justin, who said, you know, the person you play will only do that once because then no one else will play them. You know, like Unbound is not a power breaker. It's not that thing where people can take hold of it and make ridiculous lists and bring 10 Helldrakes or anything like that. Um, Personally, I think it's there so that, you know, you can make a narrative-driven list. I really think it's there so that you can create some of the army lists and games that you read about in the black library books which you can't normally do and things like that um so i remember um my friend dan getting into the hobby and wanting to do raven guard loved the idea of them and then decided to move to blood angels because he couldn't do a raven guard army at that time there's just no rules that would allow it now again you can house rule that stuff and lots of people did but you, you, you know? want to be able to go and travel to the Overlords um, Gaming Club or go yeah. to get, go to a Games Workshop store and not have to go, by the way, I'm doing it this way because the codex doesn't allow it. And they go, well, that's not the rules. Yeah, exactly. And then you, go, and then you have that argument. But if you go, well, actually, it's unbound. Yeah, you've got You've got that reason to be able to go and do it. Yeah. And uh, I think Dan went and used the Blood Angel Codex because he wants jump troops and jump yeah. troops and Blood Angels are troops. Oh, troops, yeah. So you could have six of them and that fitted for what he wanted. Yeah. Um, but I think um, I just think it's how you approach it. Yeah, it completely is, and that's why it's my joy. Because if you approach it in much more of a narrative way, it opens the game so much. Um, another example: you can bring a first company now. So Space Marines, Vanilla Marines, you know, and actually a lot of the other chapters, they don't have a HQ that unlocks Terminators as troops. That used to be a thing, but it's kind of died away a lot. Um, and, Long live cry. <laughs> um, and now, you know, you can't do that first company, which is all Terminators. You yeah. just can't do it. No. Except, now you can. That probably didn't make much sense. You couldn't then, you know, but now you can. Because, because of the restrictions of only because, being able to take three elites. or Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but now you can take ten elites as, uh, as, as yeah, Terminators. You can and do just a whole army of Terminators and go, this is my first company. And exactly. how cool is that? And you can take all the longboats from yeah. uh, in, in, in your new codex. <laughs> longboats, yeah. Stormwolf. <laughs> please, please, please uh, model oars on them um, <laughs> and have the space have the, uh, the space wolves rowing themselves to battle. No. That'd be great. It would be funny, but uh, no, <laughs> not doing it. Well, a couple of big sails would, would be quite good. <laughs> I was talking to um, one of our friends 
um, about doing the battle where all the Imperial Fist Terminators deep strike down to the world, which is the one where Lysander becomes the um, first company captain, like because the the guy dies in a deep strike mishap, and yeah. and all this kind of stuff, um, and that would be really cool to play out. You know, it's a, a story that's in the Codex. It's been in the 40k canon for so long. It's on the Lexicanum page, and if you don't know what Lexicanum is, type it in on Google and be amazed. Um, and yeah, you can recreate that battle, and that's so cool. Like suddenly, it's got much more of a historical kind of angle to it than it ever used to. Um, so yeah, so like I said, that's my joy. Unbound armies and the narrative possibilities that are there. Have you got anything else to add? Um, no, not really. Awesome. Well, that was our first pain and joy section. Um, I hope that inspired you to think about the things you might be struggling with and the things you really enjoy about this hobby. Um, those kind of thoughts can be really good at affecting how we play, how we go about our hobby and what we want to change. Anyway, we're going to have a quick break and come back to our next segment. As you may have heard on the Adeptus Terra podcast, we have lots of breaks. If you wish to advertise within these breaks, just drop us an email on the Adeptus Terra podcast at gmail.com. We'll happily advertise any gaming groups, shops, or any other podcasts. Just drop us an email. So welcome back, guys. This is our third segment of the podcast. This is called 40K Spotlight. Uh, what we do here is we take a possibly small aspect of the 40K fluff and talk about it, review it, hopefully maybe show you some things that you've never heard of before. Uh, I definitely learned a lot on this subject. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and just highlight some stuff to you. That's why we called it 40K Spotlight. We're taking a, a spotlight to one little area and showing you how you can even use that in your games and in your hobby. Um, so this this one, we're talking about Hive Worlds, um, which is an imperial world. Um, basically, think of London, but London covers the entire part of England, or New York City over the entire states of America. It's a continent-spanning city world. The, the way I see it would be a, um, a much more like an underground going from, say, 90 stories down to the top spires where the rich people live. Um, a very very stereotypical, um, hierarchy-driven um, way of living. Kind of like yeah. the Matrix, where, they, where they're where living under the ground, underground and they have that very city-spanning... Yeah, up. that's true, yeah. Very that's good, quite a cool way of quite, thinking that. Zion. Yeah, Zion. Very good yeah. imagery of what I would see it being like. Um, yeah, that's cool. I never thought of that. Like loads of stairs and lifts going up and down, mm. and and ultimately on a hive world, you're there to do a job. You're there to either produce raw material or produce weapons or um, produce ammunition for for the, uh, the the Imperium. Yeah, completely. I mean, the populations on these worlds are astronomical. Just huge billions and billions of people crammed into these these cities, um, and although they're continent spanning, there's still hardly any room. And I imagine the higher up you go in the hierarchy, the more space you get. Okay, um, yeah. but but yeah, for the for the most people, it would be like living on the London Underground during rush hour. <laughs> it's like that packed. You just can't move. There's no room to do anything. There's certainly no time to do anything because you're just working yourself dead for the Imperium. That's what these hive worlds do. Now they don't produce the same amount as a forge world would do, but they still produce a ton of stuff. Um, and due to the large population, they tend to have to you know, travel in all the food and water for people from other worlds, from agri-worlds in the Imperium, just to compensate for that many people. Um, but when you get that many people in one tight space, 
there's always going to be rebellions and problems um, and we'll go into a bit of that in, in a moment but the way the Imperium deal with that of course is by killing people <laughs> well not killing more like a, a, a social cleansing and removing <laughs> yeah. of the, the unwanted yeah. it's been known for the Adeptus Arbites to go in who are kind of like you know Judge Dredd kind of people I guess that's good that's, um, that's a good yeah, way to yeah. do it that'd be a really good army getting Arbites into the Judge yeah, yeah. Dredd characters yeah that'd be really cool uh, I feel another army on the way <laughs> no <laughs> but they'd go in and just cleanse part of the city or whatever part was kind of there was a bit of unrest just one to keep the populace down but also to cull any any problems that might come um i mean life on a hive world like we've said is is not a particularly pretty one you spend most of the time working yourself to the bone um you rarely see sunlight especially again if you're in the lower sector of the city um or or the underhive which is completely underground where all the hive scum and low lice tend to live um I mean, when you go up, you get a bit of lighting, like the ancient lighting system's still working. Um, and if you're right at the top, you actually get circulated air. But other than that, most you know, most of these billions of people are living on recycled air, no sunlight, little food, little space. That is pretty grim. It really is grim dark. It really represents 40k in a hole in my head. One of the other things that they do um, with with hive worlds is they actually recruit into the army. Um, they recruit into the PDF, into the Arbites, into the Imperial Guard. Um, a few hive worlds are even used as Space Marine um, recruit worlds. Well, where better to find fighters and, and angry people than when you've been suppressed and, and, yeah. and pushed down so much? You might as well train them and promise them a better life and then throw them at the Tyranids. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a there's an argument that, that people from hive worlds are just as feral and aggressive as those from death worlds. Um, because of how nasty the living quality is. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the threats to a hive world, which we might as well go into now, um, is urban gangs. Um, most of you, if you've been in the hobby for a while, will know of Necromunda, which was a game based around these gangs, where you took a gang and you fought other gangs for territory and for space. And they often pop up. You know, people get together and think, actually, we want a bit more space. Let's kill the guys next to us in the next room and knock it through and now we've got two rooms <laughs> and that's you know that's a silly example but that's the kind of uh, mentality that was going through you know if we if we knock off that those guys we get their food and we get a better living quality so urban gangs are quite a big threat to hive worlds and that's why the arbites are there to hunt them down and and end them before they cause too much of a problem so another threat would probably be the uh, the uh, the inevitable gene stealer cult. Yeah, that starts up. Um, one of the, well, any kind of cult actually. I, one of the books I read on uh, an Inquisition book was based around the uh, the spring springing up of a, a gene stealer cult, where the the hive mind had uh, had taken over some of the the lower level gang members and yeah. started indoctrinating them in and was actually using them to steal the resources from um, the mines that they were. They were using in order to feed the hive and oh, to, wow. to grow That's more cool. tyranids and to yeah, produce yeah. more tyranids, um, and uh, it was all like the Inquisition going down and then the, them calling in the Death Death Watch because they couldn't handle the the, the, mm. the tyranid what invasion. Books is it? Um, it was in the Space Marine, uh, you know, the multi books they do. Where they oh do short yeah, stories. omnibus books. Yeah. yeah, the omnibus books. So it was, um, it was really interesting. So they did it from the point of the Inquisition, mm. um, and then the next one along was actually the the point of the. Um, Death Watch. Oh, so you okay, kind of saw cool. both sides, which That's is cool. really cool how they did it. Uh, 
but it was it was definitely the picture they pointed towards you was very much a a cave uh, incursion yeah. living in cities where they're un- they're in cave networks yeah. um, and in and big caverns and stuff like that mm. and 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 they'd be they'd be working working like a few roads away walking back to the house and then going back to work the next day or yeah. in a few hours time and, and they'd be living where they're working because that's the kind of conditions that are required yeah, yeah. to 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 feed the the workforce or to 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 replenish the 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 fuel being used um by the imperium um and uh obviously where people are being suppressed and and oppressed um of course there are going to be cults that join up that promise better lives and yeah and the, the manipulation from a, a psychic uh a hive world a hive mind uh is always uh going to be niggling at someone's back back of their head uh trying to get them to do something mm, and then yeah. indoctrinate them in and and then um yeah. ends up they corrupt an entire planet and i think there were you were saying that there was um, a time where Manius Kalgar? Yeah, yeah. So there's a, a world called Ikar or Ichar, I don't know how you pronounce it, for, um, which is in the Ultima uh, section. And a gene stealer infestation happened there. And it was much more just there were gene stealers and they were killing people. There was no real kind of cultness behind right, it. Oh, okay. And they were just, that's where they'd gone. They'd landed there from High Fleet Kraken, infiltrated the lower levels where it was dark and brilliant places to jump out and feed. And um, the way gene stealers work and why they're called gene stealers is they basically infect their prey when there's not many of them. And over, I think it's three or four generations, the human become a bit more mutated, a bit more mutated until they end up being pure strain gene stealers. Oh, okay. so it's a long long time thing oh so hence why in um space hulk you get hybrids hybrids which yeah. are which are gene stealers the heart halfway tran- uh, yeah. transformed oh wow okay i didn't know that so that's that's where it comes from and this had been happening um so you know the battle of mccrag had happened and and all of that stuff um and and yeah they hear about this infestation it's got really big at this point and marnius calgar with the ultramarines has to go down with some war uh, tyrannic war veterans uh, the Inquisition are there because they love poking their nose in everything. Leave them alone. Um, <laughs> uh, they even Wolf have to boy. send some uh, Imperial Guard as well. So, you know, this whole massive force has to go down and basically cleanse like half of the city from infestation. Um, so, yeah, gene stealers are, and Tyranids are a big threat. Um, I guess some of the orcs, although they're not very quiet, you get the commandos and those that like to sneak around. Um, like Boss Snigrot, like I could imagine them maybe infiltrating into a city and just causing mayhem, and um, probably not to the same effect as a gene stealer cult would be. Um, but talking about cults, the biggest one for me is is chaos, because you know talking about little whispers, I could just see Zinch or Corn or Nurgle or Slanesh even whispering in the ear, going, "You can have a better life. I can give you a better life," and suddenly you know that one person goes, "Actually, yeah." Yeah, screw the Imperium. I'm living like this. This is awful. And then more join the join and more join and more join. Um, and actually, one of the Black Library books I read recently was Wrath of Iron, which is about the Iron Hands. And um, they basically come to a world um, called Shardenius. Um, and there's a hive city that's that's had a chaos cult built building up in it. And now they've got so powerful that they're sacrificing themselves to summon chaos space marines um, and demons. And you know, and this city's just in disarray, um, and and the Iron Hands have to virus bomb the lot. Yeah, <laughs> well, it doesn't get to that. Basically, there's there's so much in this. There's the Imperial Guard there um, with a commissar, 
um, a tank commander and a whole tank company. There's titans that come down. The Mechanicum are there. Um, and the Iron Hands as well. Um, they even recruit some of the workers from the High City that are still alive. Um, although the Iron Hands tend to kill quite a lot of them that they come across just because they don't trust them. I think they might have become chaos to so just kill them. Um, Iron Hands are really brutal in that book. They really are. And they're from Clan Rukan, which had a recent supplement as well. So it's a really cool book if you're into Iron Hands. Um, but yeah, just you know, from a tiny little cult that started up in a dark corner somewhere, completely rips apart this high city and the world. And they end up summoning a demon prince who's an emperor's children space marine um, who you know, is from the heresy and survived and now is a demon prince and comes down. And they ha- you know, tons of space marines uh, die to get rid of him um, in the end. Um, but man, it's such a brutal book and you just see this chaos cult, like I said, start from two, three people become just the whole world in turmoil and just demons everywhere and people going mental. The really cool thing in that book is it follows two named Hive City workers all the way through the book um, and you get to see their perspective of living on a hive world and then going through hearing of the cult and knowing that the cult's growing power and then suddenly there's taint and they're noticing mutations and all of this kind of stuff. And it's really cool to see from their pe- perspective. Um, so it's a really, really cool book. I mean, some of the other hive worlds that, that we probably know of in the Imperium are Terror itself. Terror is known as a city planet. Or Armageddon, you know, quite a famous book. We know that, you know, there was uh, Angron, the demon prince, attacked it with tons of corn followers and the space wolves were there. Um, that's the first war. Then you get all the Gazgor and the orcs invading Armageddon. It's a really big staple in the 40k lore and that's the hive world. And that's, you know, that's where Mephiston gets crushed in the hive city and comes out punching the crap out of orcs. I bet he had an involve safe then. <laughs> he must have had to survive that. I tell you. <laughs> um, but, you know, and there's Necromunda and the Ikar 4 I mentioned. There's a uh, a world called Mordian, which is where the Mordian Iron Guard come from, from the IG Codex, um, and they're really stalwart warriors who just, you know, they. there's a story, um, I can't remember where it is, it might be a Black Library short story, um, of demons attacking the world, and most, even Imperial Guard, who are trained troops, you know, just can't cope with seeing demons, it just drives them mental and they their heads explode, or they just fall down in fear and all that stuff, um, but these guys just stood it out and held them off for like seven days until space marines could come and grey knights could come to get rid of the demons and it was a really awesome story of these iron guard who all came from that hive world and that hive city um but yeah i mean that's that's quite a lot about hive cities i think we've talked about talked about the threats and yeah. how people live there and what it's like and um just how horrible it would be i couldn't imagine a worse way of living to be honest um what about gaming? So, I think we were talking about earlier. You you could uh, you could easily use a um, not a realm of battle, a zone mortalis, a zone mortalis board. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could easily use a zone mortalis board as a rather than it being the the, the poster. This is a ship. It, this is a sewer network, and then yeah. this be the or this will be the network of tunnels underneath the hive mm. world, or this is the lower levels of the hive world because you can have quite big open spaces. Yeah, yeah, it can really as, open up. And then there's there's plenty of forge world terrain that you could use, like the uh, the sentinel with the uh, massive claws to lift stuff up. 
Yeah, like it's working or something. Like it's yeah, like it's a worker. Yeah. Um, or blocks of barrels and stuff like that. And yeah. you, you can easily do it that way. Oh yeah. Or maybe a really dense city board. Um, yeah. I try and maybe steer away from a city, just because that then is more of a city than a hive world. Because I see it as a hive world yeah. being very modular and like like I said, the Matrix style. Um, it, it's all inside. Really, yes, yeah, small, small. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a brilliant idea of doing small games, like a cult rising up to power. Yeah, maybe like um, a small 500-point like game would be really would cool. Be... Um, I mean, I'd come up with a couple of things. I mean, you could do a Cities of Death mission if you wanted, just to represent that you're fighting in an urban area. That's that's cool if that's where you want to start. It's a brilliant way of drawing up custom scenarios, um, you know, that you're fighting in the underhive of this city. and Or, you know, you could even be you know orcs who have made it down into a the bottom part of a hive world that they've captured on armageddon and there's actually some um imperial forces down there who they didn't think were there and suddenly they're now engaging and the imperial forces are now ready to push up and try and take back the hive world that would be really cool um i would play with night fighting in effect pretty much all the time because it's just so dark um, really narrow alleyways and lanes of fire would be really good well i definitely probably wouldn't bring um, vehicles. Oh well, yeah, there wouldn't be any, would there? No, because if you, you if I guess you could get away with like a dreadnought because it could just smash through walls. Yeah. Um, Depends on how tight and small you want to go, I guess. Yeah, of course. If you're fighting on say the top of a, yeah. on top of the uh, the hive world, and then as people go down into tunnels, you then go onto a zone where star board into the bottom yeah. of the hive world. Then yeah, fair enough. But in terms of you on the ground floor, you wouldn't be able to get a rhino down there or a vindicator. No, no not at all. I mean, um, something that I came up with that Sam mentioned, um, a quite specific mission, I guess, was on a Zone Mortalis board or something similar, um, the Space Hulk tiles would be a brilliant way of playing a narrow alleyway underhive. Yeah, um, of course. That would be really good. cool. Um, and that's a, another use for a Space Hulk if you've got one. Um, but yeah, on a Zone Mortalis board, I was thinking of this and, and having like 500 points aside, um, loyalist space marines who have come down because they've heard of taint and they're come to the world maybe grey knights that you know small elite squad that have come in um, and 500 points of chaos space marines at the other corner of the zone mortalis now in all the open rooms put 10 cultists and they they don't count towards the 500 points they're like a bonus for the chaos guys because there's chaos taint but for a bonus to the loyalist space marines, why don't give them flamer upgrade for free? Because they need to cleanse the down the underhive. Yeah, he's using um, incinerator you know, rules way, for ways of, Yeah, ways of balancing the game. But you could have that every turn you roll on a dice and on a five plus or whatever you choose, they could summon some demons. Yeah, make it really hard because actually it could be really hard to stem out that cult that started up. I imagine it would be really hard to find, let alone fight. If you know this cult has built up enough power and enough strength to summon Chaos Space Marines, for example, to the uh, to the city, then it would probably be really hard to root out. I mean, in Wrath of Iron, it engulfs the whole city, and there's tremendous losses by Imperial Guard, Iron Hands, all the Loyalists are just dying everywhere because it's so much carnage. So it'd be really cool to invent a kind of game like that where you've got cultists trying to summon demons. In, in the open areas and actually if they do you remove the cultists but then put a pink horror squad down or you know whatever demons you have to hand and then suddenly you've got demons and the chaos space marines uh, against the loyalists and you know if you play it and the loyalists get absolutely butchered then give them a few more points 
until you level it out. And it could should be a, such a fun game of fighting in a hive world that certainly, you may never done before. It certainly could be a, a, an easy to write campaign style game yeah, for, uh, for over a couple Start of months. Start from the top and slowly get deeper and deeper into yeah. the hive world. Yeah, would be really cool. Um, Gene Stealer Cult would be a great one. You know, you're fighting down and down and down. And as you keep going down, you start seeing broodlords and patriarchs and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, zonethropes and synapse creatures that are right at the bottom that you'd never thought were there. And your first mission is just against cultists who are starting to be controlled by the hive mind. You know, that would be a really cool progressive campaign to do. Something that I see the Overlords doing, Inquisitor Steve doing, and he's kind of three game campaign narrative games. Um, they're really cool. And yeah, do it. Why not? I'm quite inspired by Hive Worlds to do something like this, so it'd be really cool um, to just try out. So if if you want to give it a go, give it a go. Let us know on our Facebook page. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for our third segment. Um, yep. Hope you enjoyed Hive Worlds. Um, we learned a lot about them. Um, I didn't know that much. I didn't know Terra was a Hive World until I looked no. into it. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that informed you of a new part of the hobby and inspired you to play games and 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 create scenery around this stuff. Awesome. Cool, right. We'll have a break and we'll come back for our last segment. Thank you very much. Hey guys, it's Matt here. Uh, if you want to be involved in this awesome community, if you want to have input into the show and what we cover, then please go to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash the Adeptus Terror podcast. Thanks a lot and see you soon. Let's all go to Facebook. Let's all go to Facebook. Let's all go to Facebook and give that page a like. So we've come to our last segment of the show. Uh, this is our life in the hobby segment. Um, this is basically about anything to do with hobbying that we've come across. We've got you know something good to talk about, we think, and hopefully will inspire and motivate you to, to move forward in your hobby. Um, so this actually, the name of this comes from the Overlords and um, Inquisitor Steve who has um, a song about his Islith, is it? Yeah. His uh, personal kind of hobby blog, uh, as it were. And it's a song called Life in the Hobby. And I won't sing it now for you because I can't sing. But we kind of took that title and, and just ran with it. Um, so this, this week, uh, this week, this month, we're talking about terrain and how that can really impact your games. Absolutely. Um, so I thought the first thing that we could share was just the terrain we have, maybe why, um, and yeah, and just kind of go from there and see where the discussion takes us. A battleboard. Um, I've used the GW basing uh, painting kit they, they do for their, their realms, um, but rather than putting all the grass flock on it, I've based it on Baal. Uh, so what I did is mix what's Baal, on... for those that might not know? Baal is the homeworld of the Blood Angels. There we go. So it's very red, um, and I yeah, mix... Marsy, isn't it? Mar very Marsy, yeah. Very Marsy indeed. Um, but I mixed a lot of red into the, the base brown colour, so okay. that it was kind of like a ready t a ready tinge, um, and then uh, just painted it up uh, to make it look make it blend all into one. Uh, I've also got a lot of a lot of GW terrain itself. Uh, so uh, I bought um, some of the bastion kits, uh, the Imperial Stronghold, the Imperial it? Stronghold. Yeah, so it comes with two bastions, uh, a couple of line Aegis defense lines. Um, uh, I also got I've also got a macro cannon. Yeah, uh, one of the America gun. Yeah, yeah, America gun. Um, it, do you know what? It, it actually was probably one of the best kits I've ever had from GW because it, it comes in, it's already in its own separate little bags. It's been clipped out of the sprue. Um, it's probably, it is the best kit um, of terrain I've had. 
Okay. Uh, they provide that's the good. rules. They provide the rules with the kit. Yeah, that's so. Good. If you don't have the rules from in, in the uh, stronghold book, you, yeah, you, you still can use it. That's really good. Uh, and um, what else? What else? Other kits? I've got the landing pad. Oh yeah, yeah, Sky Shield. Sky Shield landing pad, and I've won when I went to a, a Games Workshop raffle. Um, I won a few um, Imperial uh, buildings, so yeah, yeah. ruined buildings, which um, I've repainted to basically fit into the board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I had a the boards painted. A lot of the scenery is painted, but the Imperial Stronghold, um, so the Bastions and the yeah. Aquilas, uh, I, I used the Army Painter Yellow, but it's come out a little bit too... Um, trying to think what kind oh, of see, yellow. See, I, I really like the yellow. Yeah, it, I it, thought you were going to talk about the green. No, no, the green's really good. All right, we'll just paint it all green then. No, I don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> the yellow fits on the bar board. Uh, yeah, it, it does. It really does, and it looks it looks pretty good. Um, the, the green ones I've got, fit on my grey um, MDF, MDF boards, boards yeah. which the reason I got my realm was because I was sick of playing on a flat board all the yeah. time. Um, yeah. However, now I've got my realm, I, when I play on it, I'm like, oh, I wish this was flat. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's I kind of like shot myself in the foot. I, I really like having a realm and, and having it fighting on a different world. It matches all of my bases, so it, yeah. it, it goes pretty well. And all of my tanks are weathered with the, the, the aqua colour mm. um, and, and everything does fit. However, sometimes it is nice just to play on a city board. Um, yeah. Now, now GW do the city board oh, and mate, the realm. We're like, going to get into that. We are going to get into it. <laughs> Personally, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't want one. Yeah. Um, it's well too much detail for me to paint for a board um, to spend that much time on. Yeah, that. And my head tells me that. That's not what my heart says, though. <laughs> but I, I don't want. I also don't want to go and buy loads of terrain from um, uh, loads more building terrain. I'm not buying the massive bundle for like nine thousand pounds to in order to have a complete board. <laughs> Um, but what else have I looked at recently? Uh, I sent you a link actually. Uh, a mirror, a mirror game. So they produce um, factory board, like factories um, and other sci-fi. They yeah. call it sci-fi buildings, which I'm thinking about getting a few of because they come in plastic. They are plastic. They're in sheets and they are pretty flimsy. But when you put them together, they actually become rigid yeah, yeah. And, and a lot better. Um, and they're more of a because what I find is a lot of people and a lot of boards I play on are always destroyed cities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually having a factory or a factory sector yeah, would yeah. actually be kind of cool. Um, and it will be a complete building that can be destroyed and replaced. Mm. Um, so I'm looking more towards that one. However, that's obviously another project, more money, more time. Yeah, man. That's, Which, that's the one downside of terrain. You know, you want good terrain, you need to pay for it, whether it's GW or otherwise. Yeah, there's yeah. some amazing MDF kits out there that are really cheap. Um, uh, but man, building them, the amount of hours like. Well, Liam, wood Liam's glue. got Liam's got a few. Yeah, um, and his ones are really good. They look a lot big, a lot bigger in the photos um, on eBay. Yeah, they are quite small. But well, I wouldn't be able to have them and have the yeah. GW stuff I've got. Yeah, yeah I've I've ruined everything because I've got GW stuff. The, the train they do yeah. as much as you as much as you can knock the price and the fact that they aren't complete buildings. They're really detailed. Yeah, you get a lot of spares as well. I mean, I must have built two or three extra buildings. Yeah, and the create you can you can go and be completely creative with them. Yeah, um, and not necessarily just build the left the the L shaped or yeah, the yeah. or the square or the or the tower on one side. Mm. Like build an actual building if you want to. Yeah, you, yeah. You, if you buy enough kits, you can. Um, I've done it. I I just think I don't really want to go and have MDF pieces of train. Now I've not got them. Yeah, yeah. But then you've got like Mark's got those uh the sewers that you yeah, got who were they? Um, oh, who made it? You got them from eBay. It's not Mantic. Um what are they called? 
That's so annoying. Oh, I don't know who they are. But they, they produce like a sewer system, which has got banks on both sides, which yeah. on his city board that he's got looks fantastic. Yeah, it does. And he's painted them up um, really well and it really adds to the city. Um, and it takes it away from just being a flat, you yeah. drive along the road type thing. Yeah. So the, the ter- for me, the terrain is really important. Yeah. Playing on a, on, a, on a flat board with just a few buildings is great for starting out. But actually, when I've got a fully painted army and I'm fighting in the city, I, I want some little little unique things to be thrown in there. Like um, like you've got the tomb that you've built out the doors. Yeah, yeah we're going to get into that stuff before we get too far into Right, this. okay. You, you say what um, you've got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I felt left out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got a bunch of the GW buildings, like a load, probably more than enough to do a 6 by 4 full-on city. You can give um, me some I, if you want. No. I went crazy with it. They're they're pretty much all painted now, which I'm really chuffed with. They've come out really well. Um, I've also got a Realm of Battle board. Uh, me and Sam got them roughly around the same time. Um, my one's based on you know, it a, been a snow year world. Ago, actually, yeah, no, crazy. Oh god. Um, mine's based on a snow world. Um, not necessarily Fenris, but just one in the in the Fenrisian sector. Um, because of my space wolves and my love for them. Um, so my my realm. Um is like the wilderness section of the world and then my future imperial sector board because i'm definitely going to get one uh, i just love it too much a uh, lot of detail yeah but i just think that's a challenge that's really cool i'd rather get the forge world ones just yeah, because they're an they, extra hundred pounds it is an extra hundred pounds but they're not just flat segments you put buildings on they yeah, are actual true. terrain pieces yeah they do have heightened platforms but then the problem is and what's stressing me out about it is that on a heightened platform, a certain size fits to that. I've built all my buildings, and some of them are very large because I've used two or three kits to build one building. And um, I'm just worried they won't fit. I mean, same problem with the GW kit, because I've looked at it, and there are definite spaces for buildings. But I think it gives a bit more leeway. And I do really like it. I just I prefer it in some ways, actually. So I am going to do that. So I'm going to have kind of my city board and my wilderness board, and then when people come around to game at mine, I can be like, do you want to play in the city or on the wilderness? And I'll have two boxes full of terrain. Because uh, I've also got the GW Battlescape, a few hills, some barrels and ammo dumps. Um, I got some pipes when I went to Salute, um, which is a big kind of gamers convention, I guess. Run by the South London Warlords, is that? Yeah, I think so. Um, really good. Definitely going next year. Um, such that I think the dates are already up for that. If you don't know what Salute is, again, just Google it. Um, it's it's in London and it's phenomenal. Um, there's a ton of stands of lots of different um, what do you call it games? Um, you know, tons of stuff that you can buy, bases, scenery, all that kind of stuff. And we went and saw this guy from Spain, and I can't remember the name of the game. Um, he gave Sam a, a free rule book, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I ended up giving that to Neil um, yeah. because he was really interested in the game, and and I think that's what the best part about Salute was the fact that there were so many different companies or different people trying to show off their games. Yeah. So to get people interested, and it wasn't a come have a have a play with the uh, with the game and then now buy everything. It's seventy nine thousand pounds. Yeah. It was a this is the game you can play it with anything you've got. Here's the rule book if you want it. Like I got the rule book for free. Yeah, he just gave it to you, didn't he? He was really nice. He was a cool guy. Um, and he had some cool bits of scenery. So I bought a couple of these kind of waste pipes that were broken and ooze coming out of them. And they're going to be really fun to, to paint up, um, going back to what I've actually got in scenery. Um, and I think that's kind of everything that I've got right now. I've done a few conversion-y bits, like uh, the little tomb that Sam mentioned, which I built out of uh, 
a door, one of the double doors on one of the buildings with the eagle, the aquila on it. I still think you should mount like an LED, like a red LED. Yeah, it would be quite cool, and a smoke machine. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little smoke bomb. Coming out of all the cracks. Yeah, it would be good. Do that. Yeah, yeah, it would be really cool. Um, I've also built out of the um, Aegis defence line gun platform thing that you put the quad gun or the Icarus LAS cannon on. Um, I uh, flattened the top off and put an actual control panel from the inside. I think it's a Land Raider. Oh, okay. Um, on top, and it's loads of different screens and a radar and stuff. Put um, an antennae that I got from Ben from an Imperial Guard Voxcaster. Um, and, and yeah, it's a little control panel, and it's a really cool objective to put down. Um, things like that, I think, just really add to the game, which is what this segment's all about. Um, so that's kind of the terrain that we have, and a why, I guess. Um, so I guess the next question is, is what does good terrain add to the game? For, for me, like I said earlier, it, it's just you've got really really well painted or you've got painted minis or, um, or or models and it's just why would you go and put your time that you spent on those models and just put them onto a grey board yeah yeah it just adds that little extra like I'm not saying do it like strike and scorpion scenery or yeah. or um, GW sort of level of painting like, I think even um, the one like your ones are sprayed white no they're sprayed black and then two dry brushes, so a dark grey dawnstone, I think it's called. Yeah. And then an Uthran grey heavy dry brush on top, so they end up quite white. So they're not... I'm not I don't think I'm knocking your scenery, no, but no, they're, they're not fine. massively complicated. No, no. It's not like you've detailed every really single quickly. thing. Like, but f- effective scenery doesn't take long to paint. No. It's not a... Um, you, you, there doesn't need to be anywhere near as much detail as on your, your Terminator... Storm Shield. Yeah. Um, all you need is a dry brush, and it work, and they they really yeah, at least come to start into their with, own. I mean, my plan is to get everything painted, and then go back and do all the details. You know, because every level just adds something. Um, I think for me, what what GW terrain adds to the game is, um, sorry, any terrain adds to the game that's painted and and well put together. It it brings the theme back. It immerses you in the game, like you care about this world that you're fighting over suddenly because it's actually things that you've put time and effort in. Um, it adds maybe the story behind what you're fighting. You talked about the game you had with Simon over the um, Manufacturing world of the Blood Angels. Yeah. And you designed the scenery in a, such a way, like just in the deployment of it, to match that story. And Absolutely. you can do that if you've got enough terrain and it's, again, preferably painted and, and game-ready, as I would call it. Um you know, to put down and you rather than just random deploy a scenery, you can really make a real story out of what you're fighting over. But you don't need to go and buy all of the GW kits. So Mark, again, is another great example. Yeah. He makes most of his terrain. And yes, he uses some GW, like the lamppost that nobody seems to use. Um, but he, he uses um, like the Tuckalip boxes you get at Christmas yeah. as uh, as oil containers or, or as um, gas containers. Yeah, they look just, really cool. And they add to the skyline. So it's more about adding that little extra height to block stuff out you can hide behind. Yeah. Um, and it's just, they're, they're fantastic. And they didn't cost too much to do. You buy the Twiglets, you eat the Twiglets, great. And then you move on and then you, 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 paint up the, you paint up the outside. Yeah. So whilst I don't think you necessarily need GW train, it is good terrain. Oh yeah, but they 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 themselves released a book on how to make terrain out of anything. Yeah, yeah, they did. So the amount well, of times, like when we started, when we started off in forty k, um, I was making terrain. So I was getting yeah, like yeah. the polystyrene bits from the new fridge that we got delivered yeah. to cutting it up and turning it into a into like a bit of a, a ruin and yeah. then painting it grey, like yeah. and, and and using that and that's great because it 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 allows you to create 
scenery for what you need. Yeah, and what you like. And, and what, what you like. Th- yeah, I think that's great. Um, that's kind of moving into our next question, really, of kind of terrain and the hobby. This is all about life in the hobby and how you do this stuff. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about about that specifically. So, you know, we've already shared how much we quite like the GW terrain. I, I really love it. I think the buildings give great opportunity for conversion, um, but you can build them exactly as they are in the box and it still looks good. Um, I mean, converting buildings can be really easy if you've got a good basis, whether it's an MDF building, whether it's um, a GW building. Now, my creativity is fairly good in models, but buildings, I just tend to get a little bit sidetracked. So if someone gave me a bit of polystyrene, it would just be a bit of polystyrene painted grey. It just, it, for me, it just wouldn't look right. It just wouldn't feel right. So I'm really glad that I've got kits that I can buy and then work on. Um, one of my friends, Ryan, um, he's got loads of um, sandbags um, that he's made out of green stuff and fortified up a ruined building. Like, you know, he's got in, it's, uh, I think he's doing like a jungle planet for his Catchkins. Yeah, yeah. Um, or Catachans, however it's said. Catachan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, so he's got you know vines going up the side of them, and sandbags as a bit of an an emplacement, um, and things like that. And it just adds something. You know, that GW kit looks completely different to my Snow World GW kit, and it's the same kit. Absolutely. Um, there's so much that you can do. I mean, there's tutorials online. Um, I mentioned them already. Mini Wargaming did a series um, with a guy called Papa Smurf. That's like his online name, I guess. Um, and he was showing you how to build buildings out of plaster card and various other things and i found his voice really droney um and i found it hard to concentrate and they're quite long but actually the finished product was phenomenal like so good it was surprising that he made it out of flat bits of plaster card to this three-dimensional building block with blown out windows and rubble on the floor and it just looked amazing um you know just let your creativity take hold um We've mentioned Mark a couple of times. He's so creative that he can turn a twiglet pot into a oil container. I really can't, so I need those kits and terrain. And some of them I've just built and others that I've converted. I mean, I bought a Skyshield landing pad top for about £2.50 from eBay and then used all my spare walls from the ruined kits, the full walls, um, to build around it. So it's like a Skyshield that's on top of a one-level building rather than just the four legs that you get in a normal kit. And that just adds something. It looks different. It's not the same. You know, if you play someone who's got a Sky Shield, so like Sam has, he comes and suddenly that looks different and feels different because I've done it in a different way. And I think that's such a cool aspect to terrain. Um, I mean, one of the biggest things I think that terrain has is it gives you a bit of a palette cleanser. If you're bored of doing tons of models, and you're like, oh, I'm painting 30 York boys and this is getting really demoralising, just pick up a building, start dry brushing. And suddenly at the end of your hobby time, you've got a real something to be proud of. Um, And it just looks great. I just can't get over playing on a painted board with painted models in painting scenery. It just looks brilliant. And yeah, I can't say anything more about it, really. I wanted to finish on this. I think you probably have already guessed what mine is to highlight two products that we know of, whether we own them or not. I'm kind of telling Sam at the same time as telling you guys. Great great radio. Um, yeah, two products that we know of that we would recommend to people. Oh, okay. So uh, my, I'll, I'll go scenery, first. Scenery, scenery. Yeah, scenery, right, okay. terrain. 
So I'll go first because I've already thought about this. My first one, if you've got the money, invest in a realm. Yeah. They are phenomenal. Like I went to Warhammer World for a tournament um, in 5th edition, I think it was. Um, yeah, the doubles. doubles. Yeah, me and you went. Um, and we played on realms for the first time and it just was awesome. It just, it's just so different. It adds so much to the game that you can't even get it across. Like I could just speak to you on hours about why it's so much better and you'll just be going, yeah, whatever, Matt, shut up. But trust me, they are so worth the money. Um, I quite like the uh, the battle mats. Okay, like, well, I, frontline I, gaming ones. Yeah, so I don't own my own yet. Um, but the battle mats, I think they're so convenient for what they are. You, you can play on a city-style city layout on a flat board, yeah, um, and then just roll it away at the end of the not at the end of the time. Yeah, that um, does help. So, you, so rather than having spending the two hundred quid Four. on on the city realm, the that, city realm is about two hundred pounds. So rather it? than spending the two hundred quid on there, you can spend the whatever it costs to get the the mat, and and it still has the same layout. Okay, it's not on hills, and the the detail is in the in the the imagery, but it's not like it's taken on disposable camera and blown up to a. A mouse pad size. Yeah. It, it, it is a high quality photo, and for a say, let's say someone who doesn't have a lot of space to store something, yeah. rolling up a mat or putting underneath the mattress of your bed, yeah, like yeah. to get rid of it, like it's completely viable, and it's not like you can break it or snap it in half because it's it's mouse mat material. Yeah, they're really durable. It, it, they look phenomenal, and they're like a fraction of the price. Mm. Um, I, I can't. I don't know the price offhand, but no, um, no. But my, I mean, my head says get that, get that. But I just can't get away from getting one. I know I'm going to end up with one of those city realms. Maybe you should finish painting your first realm before you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. We didn't go into that actually. I will go back to that just now. Um, I have planned because I don't really like the skull pits that are on the realm. If you've seen one, they're fantastic. Um, I just don't like it. It's just it's classic 40k. Just fill it with skulls, death, death, death. Um, but I just want to kind of glass that over and make that um, like a frozen bit of water on my snowboard. So I've got um, I can't, Woodland Scenics um, water effect and I'm going to mix some white pigment into it and pipette it into the small um, sections and, and let it dry. I think it takes like 48 hours and then hopefully that will look really iced. I've seen a tutorial video on YouTube about it um, and that's something else to say about terrain. Look it up on YouTube, on Google. Um, loads of people out there telling you to do amazing things at really low costs. So really check that stuff out if you're thinking, how do I start hobbying and making my own terrain? Um, but yeah, I want to get that done because um, then that realm will actually be finished. One day. Yeah. I've it's just got to man up and do it. It's not that you had it for a year or anything like that. I know. I know. Um, so what's your second piece? Um, my second piece was, now this is a little bit vague, so I'm sorry about this, but I, I remember seeing it on eBay and it was a refinery piece it was like an oil tank and tons of pipes and stuff like that and it was a company like Amira you know it was quite an unknown company to me at least um and it was like 10 pounds and this thing was like huge so we're talking scale size of a macro cannon or uh, no not that big I'd probably say sky shield um probably the height of a sky shield right okay probably the the width of it as well, but not in. It's not a massive square. It's more of a rectangle. Right. So oh, if okay. you halved a, a sky shield, yeah, it's probably about that size. Okay. And it was all plastic and modular, so you could put pipes in whatever f- configuration you wanted. Looked really smart, and it was twelve pounds. Why didn't you buy it? 
um, because I was watching it and then it ended while I was at work. So the annoying thing with eBay that I found is that you put stuff to watch and then it signs you out like every like every sort of like ninety hours. So mine always happens to sign me out yeah. when it comes to the end of something. So I never get told. Um, so I rely too heavily on the eBay reminding me. Yeah. But, but I've missed stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I bring it up is although I can't tell you to go and look at it online, uh, those that are listening, um, there are kits out there that are really good quality, made of plastic if that's what you really want. And I would advise it because I think the MDF can break quite easily and would take quite a long time to glue together. Um, and some of the other stuff that's like molded plastic because it's quite thin can tear and rip quite easily. Um, but there are kits out there. Do the research, you know. Don't have to go and jump on GW just because we are. You know, we have, um, like I said right at the beginning, we're not experts. This is just what we're doing, and hopefully it inspires you guys. And this section is all about inspiring you to build your own board, build your own world, um, theme it around your army or theme an army around that. It's just such a an awesome part of the hobby that I think a lot of people miss. So that's the, the end of our life in the hobby section and uh, we're just going to round off the show with our final comments. So see you soon. That was the roller coaster of show one. Um, it was a brilliant, fun opportunity that me and Sam never thought we'd get to. Uh, we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while, and it's finally here and it's finally happening. Um, we really hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us, give us uh, feedback on our Facebook page. Um, we've mentioned there's been the advert for it, so really go and give us those likes, um, follow us, put your own stuff up there. We'd love to f hear your feedback. We'd love to hear the things you want to hear about and we'll put them into the show. We want this to be a community podcast, not just what me and Sam thinks good. Um, what else? Uh, iTunes reviews would be brilliant. We'd love to hear your iTunes reviews. We'd love to hear your honest opinion. Now, remember this. We've just started out. This is our very first show. We've never, never done a podcast before. Yeah, so never done podcasts <laughs> Be before. kind, please. Please be kind. Um, but at the same time, we don't want you all going and giving us five-star ratings and saying we're amazing unless you really think so um so please be honest um itunes reviews really help the shows uh, i hear all the other podcasts talking about it so it must be a good thing um so please do that as well um this has been show one and i really hope you've you've enjoyed it and i look forward to in a month giving you show two see you soon see you soon guys Welcome to the Adeptus Terror podcast, show one, packed in tighter than a little, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Do you want to advertise on the Adeptus Terror podcast? Are you a gaming group?
or another are you a gaming group or are you a gaming group or fellow podcasting group no <laughs> do you want to advertise on the adeptus terror podcast are you a gaming group fellow shop no we're not a shop damn it <laughs> i hate advertisement campaigns email us you need me to do this charming <laughs>